I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode number 64. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB, the special episode where we are talking all things Real Housewives for the week. Um, we are so excited to be bringing it to you once again. But before we get into all of our discussion of things, uh, we have some few housekeeping notes to get out of the way first, as we always do. Um, take the time right now when you're listening, pause, and go and leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to us, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast, Spotify, uh, across the podcast board uh, is so appreciative, not just for the personal feedback that we get uh, from hearing your thoughts, but also by giving us that rating and a review. It helps us get into the algorithm and helps us get seen by even more and more people. Um, it's just a really, really helpful thing uh, for us. So if you can take the time to do that uh, across our podcast platforms, um, you can also follow us on social media, all at a gay and it's NB. Uh, and that's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and threads, uh, where we're posting a variety of different content, including clips from the podcast, as well as some of our instant live tweety sort of thoughts on everything that we're watching. Um, it's a great place to hear more from us than even you hear on this podcast. So go visit us over there, all at a gay and it's NB. Uh, uh, you can also get merchandise from us over at againisnb.threadless.com where you can get mugs and t-shirts and stickers and a variety of different items with a variety of different designs on them. There's such a great uh, variety of things. I, that was terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> variety. Can you say variety five more times, Amen? It's fine. Um, but that's over at againisnb.threadless.com. Also, this weekend, uh, because it is the weekend after Thanksgiving, there is a mega sale going over on uh, Threadless. Uh, we've got classic tees at twelve fifty a pop. Uh, and then you also have up to 30% off of literally everything else in the store. So go check it out. Get you some uh, holiday gifts, some stocking stuffers, whatever you need over there at agayasnb.threadless.com. Also, if you have any questions for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast, uh, you can submit that across our social media platforms or at againismb at gmail.com. Um, stuff that, talking about stuff that we're watching, stuff that you are curious if we're watching, stuff just about life in general. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, send them in and we may answer them on a future episode of the podcast. Babe, what do we on, have on tap this episode? Well, we have uh, Salt Lake City. We're going to talk about this uh, Pioneer Luncheon thing. Oh, Jesus. Uh, There was a lot of Jesus uh, involved. and mm. It was very History (laughs) Channel-esque. History Channel with fighting? Sure. With glass throwing. I I have loved all the memes that are just like putting the scenes in black and white and being like, this is the the first (laughs) when the when the uh, Indians and the the first Thanksgiving dinner. It's like (laughs) I I downloaded the wrong little house on the prairie. What is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Where is Kyle? (laughs) Um, Also, speaking of Kyle, Kyle, we're going to be talking about Beverly Hills. Uh, Garcelle had her uh, movie screening over there. Uh, exciting. Uh, I, I really need to see that movie. Is that out already or is it? I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we need to see that. We may review that in a future episode of the pod. So keep an eye out for that. And also some surprise appearances from people. And, oh Lord. And we also got a lot of opinions, I would say. So I, yeah, I yeah. came in from after Beverly Hills, very opinionated. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Miami where they have a, uh, lovely charity, uh, basketball game and fighting about farting. 
no, you know, genuinely, that's what the fight is about. Literally, that's all the fight is is about. Like somebody was gassy. Who gives a shit? Anyway, uh, but before we get to any of that, <laughs> let's get down with the ladies in Potomac. Potomac for this re- week, Will Housewives of Potomac. Um, I'll say this. This is kind of Wendy's episode overall. Like, I mean, like, both in sort of the more, like, I love the more, like, family dynamics, like, sort of, like, sentimental stuff that was in it from her, but also really kind of brought it. And I think, like, I, I'm glad that Wendy's kind of, like, Come into her own, into her own power oh, yeah. with these women. Like, she really doesn't take bullshit and doesn't, she doesn't operate like a rookie. Right. Which I love. Even though she's been there for three seasons now, four. This is her third, I yeah. think. So it's like, yeah, I, I love seeing it, even though there are definitely people trying to trifle with her a lot, especially mm-hmm. this season. We'll get into it. Um, yeah. So we come back uh, in the episode from the tail end of Ashley telling Wendy on her couch about. NECA and what she said at their lunch about her being Osu, which clearly didn't happen, obviously. And the uh, we'll get to it with Ashley. But um, game of malicious telephone. Is... <laughs> I mean, telephone implies like yeah, but that's why I said malicious telephone. <laughs> it was intentionally bad. Yeah. Um, th- we go back to the table though, where everyone else is, and Mia's like telling Robin, like, you know, Robin, you know, with everything, like, I just want to support you as your friend, and and you know, want to know the best way in which to do that. And Robin goes, "Here's the thing, I'm not running from anything. I'm not like, oh my god, don't talk about me. I'm not doing any of that. Are you? I feel like you are. I feel like th- the the motions Robin goes through would lend to that, like the idea that, like, oh yeah, just whatever. I'm open to anything." But when you actually get into a conversation with her... Then she shuts everything down. Yeah, it's like you're not really open. Like, you have an excuse for everything, and then you kind of, like, you know, get defensive. And that's not being open. (laughs) You know, like, uh, when you try to have a conversation, I'm just going to flop around like a dead fish um, and not give you really anything. Um, But, yeah, sure, have the conversation with me, I guess. Yeah. Robin brings up the uh, intervention that Giselle organized, and she tells everyone about it. And she's like, Giselle, you were very adamant that Juan can't be around, you know, his coworker slash friend. And Giselle's like, wait a second. Like, so, she like, Giselle and Robin kind of fighting here was a little, even though they weren't fighting, it was like. It only took eight seasons. I know. Giselle's like, in public. Like, and Robin's like, for the optics. And I'm not going to ask him to do anything differently than what he would normally do outside of my knowledge. That was a weird phrasing to me. Outside of my knowledge? Like, but but also she... Okay. I, I, I'm just going to break this. Like, she prefaces, like, in the last couple episodes, like, everything with, like, well, well, Juan told me. Juan texted me that he was going to the laundromat. He texted me he was going to the nail salon, which I never bought because that just seems like even an overreach in a normal relationship to just be, like... Right. So... Is it that he is making you aware of his every move, or do you not care? Right. It's it's, it's one or the other. Because <laughs> you can't have him on that short of a leash if you don't care. Yeah. Um, Mia says in her confessional, I feel like the two of them are like Beavis and Butthead, and they show them by the <laughs> the, what, the Washington Memorial doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and, but Mia just said that it's refreshing to see Giselle be real with her friend, which I do agree. Like, I as much as Giselle isn't going... Here's the thing. Giselle is not going as far as she would with anyone else in this group. And that is still frustrating. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But it is refreshing to see her going anywhere near against Robin. Yeah. Um, And then Robin goes, 
I'm sorry for the people that waste their precious time worrying about my boring life. And I was like, okay, but that's, I'm sorry, that's us. That's the viewers. You know you're on a reality show, right? You see these cameras around, right? You know that, that microphone they put on you before you walked in here? Like the literal basis as to why you are on this show is for us to be invested in your life. Like that's like, sorry, that's part of the deal. That's part of the contract you sign when it comes to. But Robin doesn't care about sharing her life. She made that very clear last season when she hid everything about her life. Right. And if your life is so boring, why are you here? But also, why are you hiding things? If it's boring, then why are you keeping it from us? Right. Just tell us you went to the grocery store. If that's all you're doing, then go to the grocery store. Get your nails done and that's fine. And then we'll just, you'll just get kicked off the show because you're boring. Yeah, exactly. Giselle's like, are we able to move on? Because I told Karen that she does owe you an apology. And Karen goes, and I said to Giselle, you owe me an apology. <laughs> Karen's like, let's get this right. <laughs> but then Karen's like, look, let's, let me pull you to the side, Robin, if you want to talk. And they agree. They go inside. Um, and then as they go inside, literally Ashley and Wendy then come back out to the table. <laughs> So it's literally like passing in the night. Yeah. Karen tells Robin, you and I have not been the closest of friends in the circle for years, but last year it went extremely left. But then Karen goes, to set boundaries, I won't repeat rumors about you. I will only repeat facts about you, and I want you to do the same. And like, and Robin's in agreement or whatever. But it's like, again, I don't, there's a, there's a smugness and there's kind of like, we'll, we'll get to it where Robin, I don't think really takes any responsibility for anything that she did. And I do feel like, I think when you also look at it in like, from a factual standpoint, what was the big like smoking gun that Robin had on Karen? Was that photo of her in the bar with a guy with the Redskins jersey sitting at a bar together? Which admittedly, we never saw. Sure, but like we like, never saw, and according to her, doesn't have her face in it. It's the back of her head, right? But then, what's the cognitive dissonance of you think, find that as evidence, but we can't read anything into Juan at a laundromat or at a nail salon with another woman and photos being taken and to assume things. Yeah. It's the same level of, you know, evidence in that regard. Well, and I think Karen is not actually doing this and because she trusts Robin to hold up her end of the oh, bargain. Of course she doesn't. The whole point is to Karen knows what she's doing, yeah, right? She she's knows really what smart. shows she's on and she knows that this is the setup you need to entrap Robin later. Right. So it, you need to lay the ground rules of I will do this. And then she's going to stick to that because she's Karen. Yeah. She's going to stick to her side of the bargain, but she needs this bargain to be struck so that when Robin crosses the line, there is absolutely no way to argue it. Right. Cause she then go, Karen then goes, I need to know something. Your marriage, is it open or is it traditional? And Robin goes, we have a traditional marriage. We do not have an open marriage. And Karen goes, and you're married legally. That's all I need to know. I'm good. Like, basically, like, we got the facts laid out great. And Karen then goes, can I expect the same from you, though? And Robin goes, I mean, you started it. And, like, which is, so, which is such revisionist history. I'm sorry. Yeah. There was a season long of Robin and Giselle bringing Sharice around clearly for the purposes of invoking what Sharice, like, later, like, like, laid out. Like, and, and. 
even when you look at the timeline on the vacation, Robin has that fight with Karen at the table saying that she's a bullshitter and then Karen, your shit will come out and yours will come to the light. Then Karen brings up the blonde haired girl. Well, that's even like that. That's even like just going back one year. If you go back to season one, it's always started with Giselle and Robin yes. starting shit. Karen, if you don't start none, won't be none with Karen. Karen right. don't come at you out of nowhere. Yeah. And Karen goes, no, you started it. You know what? We'll never agree. But you started it. Robin goes, you started it. And Karen goes, you're the liar, not me. Let's go. Let's go back to the table. <laughs> 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 but before they go back, so Ashley then brings up at the table, uh, hey, Wendy, about, you know, I heard you have that talk show that you're working on. Brings that up. And Wendy starts to talk about, and, al- and of course, already, like, Giselle's looking elsewhere. They cut to the shot, and it could have been editing, but they cut to the shot of Mia, like, pulling a face like sipping a drink being like mm, she's got a talk show like clearly like you know mm-hmm. whatever and i feel like wendy picks up on that and she's just like yeah it's like a very like highbrow sort of like <laughs> thing uh, and when he's like the demographic is just a little different because of a certain education you know level right. ashley's like i mean it would probably go over my head when he's like my show vibrates really high so if people are not on an intellectual level to receive it then i understand why it may not be for them like to me, like it was such like subtle shade, which was great. Mia then just turns to Ashley and goes, "I mean, she already made it clear that she doesn't want to fuck with me." So, and then when like Mia says this to Ashley passive aggressively, and then Wendy says to Charisse, also being passive aggressive, "I mean, if someone threw a drink on you, would you?" And that's so true, though. It's like I don't know what Mia. This whole conversation, I don't know what Mia wants from Wendy. Yeah, like you were clearly in the wrong last year, and then you doubled and tripled down afterwards, and then you expect Wendy to just want a friendship. Yeah, it it's really like it. it it's delusional. Yeah, really is what it is. Wendy then goes. I think that it's not just about throwing the drink, but what after we wrapped in New York and everyone said their piece, you then go on social media and proceed to attack me. So let's not throw rocks and hide our hands. Mia then goes off. You can't talk about women's empowerment when the moment that you get to beat somebody down, you beat them down. Why not uplift me, Wendy? Uplift you in what? <laughs> Wendy immediately goes. Because you're slow. I can't uplift you. You're low down. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you vibrate so high, why are you so quick to call someone so slow? And when he just goes, because you're slow. (laughs) (laughs) Mia Mia is so bad at this, actually. It's all, I mean... It's funny how bad she is at it to where it kind of, like, works in that regard as a viewer. Yeah. But, like, she's, ugh. Um, they all sort of, like, disperse back in, you know, around the house. <laughs> oh, my God. Robin and Neca are then talking by the bar. Neca goes, I mean, how are you feeling, like, you know, with everyone telling you, you know, don't live your life? Like, don't, don't like, you know, victimize her anymore than she already is. Robin's like, I'm a very tough person. Like, I'm fine. You know, of course, there's moments where it is like a pile on, you know, it's like you haven't even, you haven't even gotten to the surface of what a pile on looks like. What, what, what time was it that it was a pile on? Name them. Name them. (laughs) Name the times. (laughs) And then the best part of the episode, I feel for me, Robin's like, yeah, it's just like really sad. And then of course fucking deborah comes in like hey like like and Robin has to be like, hey how's it going and then the editors with the zing zing like the knife sound in like a horror movie <laughs> you know she's just looking for that camera 
any, ass bitch. Any chance she can get. Um, they all sit by the couches. I did love, I don't know if you noticed, Karen pulls out a napkin because she's like, oh, I got like a spray tan on, so I'm not getting it on this couch. Which reminds, who was it that sat on a couch oh, God. years ago and stained someone's couch? Wasn't it like Dorit or something? Or some, no, it was someone. There was someone who like completely stained the couch with how. Like, I thought it was on Jersey though for some reason. Maybe it was Jersey. Yeah, that would make more sense, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Wendy then is like uh, telling Ashley, like you know, my so- I, my sons are having their first communion coming up. I wanted to invite you. I already invited like Karen and Candace and like Giselle and Robin Amir right there as she invites Ashley. Um, but uh, here's the th- I, again. Why would the why would she invite Giselle? Like you can't be like so actively ignoring the fact that she's even in the room in places, and then expect to be invited to like a very like intimate moment, like your son's communion. Like, yeah, it's like it's ridiculous. And uh, you were right; it was Dorit at the reunion last. last oh, that's season. right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, because she gets up and and with the whole like Kathy season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that now. Um, when, when he's like, hello, those are my babies. I don't, I don't, um, I don't, uh, let them be around anyone who has ill will towards their mother, basically. Which, yeah. Like, of course not. Especially on something that is such a sacred day, like within like Catholicism, like your communion is like, you don't fuck with that. Yeah. And Robin in her confessional going, I hope she doesn't think this is some sort of like revenge for last year with the family fun day. Like you actually did us a favor. Like it, like if you were if you were trying to prove some type of point, which is so funny because when he clearly wasn't, like it wasn't even just like I'm getting back at you. It literally was like, no, it would be crazy for me to invite you when you don't. You don't fuck, fuck with, me. with me, and I don't fuck with you. Like, and also a communion, and also if we're comparing the two, a communion is also very different than like a family fun day that like clearly you did for like a scene for the show. Simply, yeah. like, which on. was also a complete and utter failure. Yeah. <laughs> we saw that it was bad um we see some quick clips that like candace is going on tour and we see some of like the behind the scenes stuff we then see that scene that scene with robin and juan like trying to like fake bond where they like they see that like dead snake on the road and like oh Juan, don't t-, you know th-. it was like it was like the flirting you see in a lifetime movie oh my god it was so bad like clearly these people met each other last week the amount of I feel also we've seen Juan more this season than in the seven past years he's been, they've been on the show. And we're what, like a few episodes in. Yeah, and he shows up. We know he shows up next week to that pickleball thing. So it's like, it's so clear that it's like you're out of a job. So like yeah. <laughs> you're, you're getting it any way that you can. Um, we see a quick scene of Giselle and her daughter Grace going clothes shopping for college. I, I again, I really like the Giselle scenes with her daughters. Like yeah. they're, they're a fun reprieve. Um, yeah, I, I, but I, and I also love it just as an ability for her daughters to just like drag her. <laughs> yeah, because she like pulls out like, oh, do you have your prom dress already? Like this is like sparkly, and her, Grace is like, no, absolutely not. Like <laughs> Giselle, you can't dress yourself. Why are you trying to dress your daughter? And then also not even just that, but also like critiquing her clothing and then also critiquing her dancing because apparently Grace isn't going to prom with a date or whatever. And just like, how do you dance without someone like this? And she does like her weird, like sort of mom dancing. Grace is like, I don't do whatever dance that is. (laughs) And then we just get a compilation of like Giselle's like weird dancing. That's like, I I just can't get out of my head that like weird 
leg shaky dance thing that she was doing on her new boyfriend. Oh yeah. When they were cooking together. And it was that image haunts me at night. <laughs> like imagine her doing that like at the top of a staircase in the dark. That like, that's be... terrifying. <laughs> that is something that, that's, that's a sleep paralysis demon. A twenty four, right? That horror movie. Yeah. Um and then so then we go to Wendy at her house with her family and so they're getting obviously ready for the communion and stuff like that. Wendy talks a little bit more about like her upbringing like being raised Catholic and that you know she would go to Catholic school and get in trouble for like hiking up her skirt mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And she says that her so her dad was a a pastor but he was Protestant. Right. And that was part of the reason that the, her and her her dad and her mom got divorced was because her mom was raised Catholic and there was sort of like he got so entrenched in the Protestant church that there was this divide. Yeah, I don't know what uh what denomination her dad was, but there are a lot of people within certain denominations of Protestantism Protestantism. Yeah. That completely believe Catholics are not Christians. Oh, okay. That they don't count as part of the Christian church. They're not. There are some of them, like how I grew up, that every other denomination is not part of Christianity. Right. It's not real. It's fake. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. They're not doing the right things. I was so lucky because my dad was raised Catholic, but he converted over to Episcopalian when... Uh, Which is such a chill version I, of... Th- I was like, thank God, like, in retrospect. Like, the Episcopals are just live and let live. And, like, I could not be imagined being raised Catholic. As opposed to how I was raised, which is live and let die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so they do, and it was cute. They do, like, a little walkthrough with the kids um, uh, for their communion with the bread and the one and stuff like mm-hmm. that uh, when he says we're in the church of happy eddie and, and eddie's leading the service <laughs> i did love wendy's like sort of impression where he she just like repeats every other like end word that like eddie says of just and then the like body roll motion uh, yeah <laughs> like she's kind of coming for giselle she could be a good first lady honestly though church of happy eddie like he's got that cannabis line now yeah. that's called happy eddie I'd go to that church. I love it. Also, he's if we- they're passing those out as part of communion, hell yes. He was wearing a Happy Eddie shirt in the scene, so I love that he's just very much like, I'm running with it. Like, that's, you know, Wendy taught him, well, lean in on this uh-huh. shit. Um, it's the same thing that uh, um, Omarosa's doing on House of Villains. Yeah. You know, take over somebody else's moment. They're going to start trying to do something on you. Make it about you. Right. Exactly. Um, Wendy is telling Eddie in the in their bedroom about like what Ashley told them about NECA and about basically what Ashley had seemingly laid out, which I love the editors just refuting it all in the lower thirds, being like, no, Ashley was the one that brought this, brought the, <laughs> the OSU article up. No, NECA was just clarifying about what. Can I, we have these on political debates, like on screen, live? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. If, like fact checking. If Housewives can do it and like, you know, these. Other, I mean, it's not live on Housewives. But sure, yes. Um, when he's like, and I was like, I never even met this girl, which they keep keep making a thing later, which like I find to be the stupidest like argument. Like, yeah. clearly they met like in passing. Like that's yeah, but it wasn't like an in depth knowledge of anyone to me. Um, and then Eddie is like, you know, now you're trying to like shoot your shots at your you, you know your fellow Nigerian. Like, what the fuck is that about? Like talking about Neca, right? Yeah. Um, we then go to Karen, uh, who's visiting Mia, 
uh, at her penthouse. Uh, I love Karen gets in and like hugs the kids. Like, and like, oh my God, hey, how's it going? And then Karen goes up to me and she's like, good to see you. And then like pats me on the shoulder because <laughs> she's still keeping up. The, I'm not hugging but, you thing. But she is getting like closer and closer every time they meet. It becomes more familiar. It's she's, an evolution. It's an evolution. It's like a Digimon. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon is uh, taking the kids out to go play on their scooters. And Mia talks about like, I love the way Mia phrases this. With all the changes going on with the business, uh, we've decided to put a pause on having a nanny. <laughs> it's like, or you mean, or you can't afford one. Basically, <laughs> like that's a really fancy way to saying I don't have the money to pay for this. I mean, we decided to put a pause. I mean, I've also put a pause on living in a mansion. Never mind that I've never lived in a mansion. I just can't afford to live in one right now. So I I put a pause on it. I walked through one once. And so now I'm on a pause. Right. (laughs) Um, Karen brings up the tensions that uh, Mia and Wendy were having. And then this was so, my God, Mia just like doesn't know how to like. She wants so badly to be a green-eyed bandit to like make a narrative, and they're so good at like making narratives most of the time. But she is so bad at it. I'm just surprised she hasn't gotten colored contacts yet. Yeah, but she's like, you know, she called me slow at the party. Um, you know, Jeremiah, my son, you know, he is in like special education and talks and like lays out that like he had like like he has like a speech impediment or whatever, and like even Karen says, "Oh, I didn't know that." Like, if Karen didn't know that, I guarantee you Wendy didn't know that. And also, she wasn't talking about your kid. Right. She was talking about you literally taking twice to three times as long as everyone else in the group to be up to speed on what the fuck the conversation's about. Sure. Me, it's like, I speak into him that he's smart and he's kind and that he's brilliant. You know, I've had her, I've heard other kids, you know, call him that. So, but like, she's operating basically as if Wendy literally called her son slow. And it's like, here's the problem. I'm sure her son is smart and kind. And all those lovely things. Mia is not. Yeah. And, al- and also the slowness that Wendy is talking about isn't even in terms of like from an educational background. Right. Or from like, like she's talking about like you think that I need to like be your friend after- when you've shown no like ability. Like and have literally thrown again thrown a drink in my face. Like literally <laughs> use an ounce of critical thinking. Right. There's like there's smarts and then there's street smarts she's more critiquing your street smarts at the end of the day right um and karen's like you know wendy is compassionate you know she's a compassionate person i don't think she knows any of that and mia goes i mean she's also not trying to get to know any of that again why would she like uh karen's like i'm not gonna be in a position where i'm gonna choose between the two of you and mia goes you hump the fence okay and this is where karen goes i own the fence i am the fence all y'all hump my fence so karen but this is where we get karen's tagline of the season why why is everybody humping the fence i don't ride the fence you ride me i i I don't actually I mean, Karen has gotten critiqued over the years of being Switzerland, quote unquote, and playing the middle too much. But like, sure. To me, I was like, girl, don't even play the middle here. Me is clearly in the wrong. <laughs> right. You know, you, you, again, you, 
Wendy and Candace need to be tight because these bitches are coming for you. Right. Cue, <laughs> cue Dr. Uh, Dr. Simone. They are coming for you. <laughs> they know who you are. Yeah. Um, we then see Wendy and uh, Candace uh, go out to get drinks because um, Candace is back from her tour. Uh, and Wendy also invited her friend Kiana over to introduce um, to Candace and all that. Excited to see Kiana only because we know how Kiana turns out uh-huh. <laughs> dragging Sesame Street across the floor. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Love to see it. Um, and I actually, I, I'm not sure because I was watching this scene. It looks almost like it could be the same venue where that dragage happens. Yeah, you were saying that. Like, it, but I mean, clearly they weren't at this bar. They would have been over in the room that you see to the right, mm-hmm. like back and to the right. That's what it looks like to me. I'd need to go back and look at the video. And I'm happy to go back and review the video. Because it's a great video. I watched it again recently, and it was like, that. that's a good fun. And Kiana handled it. Oh, yes. Um, so when he's like, yeah, so Kiana, like, you know, our friend Ashley had, like, a housewarming event. And Candace goes, that's your friend, not my friend. <laughs> 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 Wendy brings up what Ashley had said about NECA, you know, pulling up an article from the blog and stuff like that. And like Can- Candace immediately is just like, you know what this is. Like, this is yeah. Ashley on her bullshit. Um, I love also, I they go, they get their orders or whatever, and Candace orders lamb chops. And the, she asked for the medium. And Wendy goes, I was about to say, she's married to a white man. So of course she got the medium. And I didn't know this was a thing that like, that like black people eat their nope. meat well done. <laughs> no blood. Uh-uh. Meat medium well at the least. <laughs> Candace is like you're ruining the meat, Wendy. <laughs> you, you really do. And I don't eat steak anymore because I have gout. But like, so I can't eat beef. But like, if I was eating steak, it would be medium rare. Yeah. Candace says they're a professional. I think we have all learned that at this juncture that when Ashley is coming to the people with information, she's doing so from a place of messy ass hoe. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Wendy brings up the first communion uh, that she's doing and she's like, yeah, it'll be the first time that like Candace and Ashley, you know, are seeing each other. Wendy's like, I want you two to be friends because you know, we do have such a good time. Candace is like, I have a good time with her too. But then she turns around and then stabs you in the side of your ear. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, and Candace has kind of maintained that afterwards, which I agree with, which is like, I'm sure Ashley is a fun time. Like, I'm sure Ashley is a good superficial friend that you can have at a bar, you know, going out with drinks and partying and all that stuff. But she's not anyone that you can actually confide in. She's yeah. not trustworthy in any which way. No, no, no way, form, or fashion is that woman trustworthy. And to me, like, we talked about it last week about like Giselle and Robin, but particularly Giselle's inability to even acknowledge Wendy and just mm-hmm. like, and to me, like Candace is like healthier. I can be in the same room with her. I can even have a good time with her at times. That doesn't mean I'm her friend. Right. Like, and, and to me, like one, I think it's healthier in general, but also like for the show, it also moves it along. Right. Cause, uh, Candace understands what show she's on. Right. She's like, I need to stay on here and collect my check. <laughs> Seriously. Like, I'm not losing this job. And I feel like if Giselle keeps pushing this, like, I don't think, like, maybe she can stay on. But, like, I think someone needs to see. I, I was talking with someone online about, like, what the path forward with Potomac is. Some people are down on this season that it's not, that it's a little mad right now, which I kind of understand to a certain extent. But, like, they were like, what's going to happen? And I'm like, 
I can, I'm fully fine with Robin going next season. Like, right. This, like, if she's going to say, I don't care every fifth word, then, right. then go. Like, it's fine. You don't If have you to don't be care, here. then neither do I. And, like, Giselle can support herself without Robin. Robin can't support herself without Giselle. Right. But if Robin goes, I also think producers need to sit Giselle down and be like, look. But see, I think that Giselle is trying to um, exempt herself from that talk this season. Because you you could see that Giselle has realized which direction the ship is he- heading. Mm. And she's like, if I don't change you know, how I'm dealing with this, I'm going to be going overboard with Robin. That's not happening. I hope she does. I mean, genuinely, because she's Because at the end of the day, I think that Giselle is self-serving, and that's not a bad thing. No. But I think that her um, uh, 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 survivability on the show is her number one priority. And if that means she has to sacrifice Robin, who seems to be a willing sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the altar of public opinion, that she will do it. Yeah. Um, we then go to Karen. Uh, she's meeting with Ashley to get outfits for the communion. <laughs> Immediately, even before they get in, Karen gets like bit by a bug on her nose. And it's like, yeah, God, I'm swelling up. Like, it looks like Ray like socked me. Like, she's like, <laughs> we spend the first two minutes of her just like tending to her nose. <laughs> Um, Ashley, Ashley literally tells the workers who are like showing them around their like shop, like, you know, not what I would typically wear, but it, I'm excited to see what you have. <laughs> Cause Karen just lays out. If it doesn't have a titty or an ass out, Ashley's not going to wear it. <laughs> it was very gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's like, but also Ashley looked good in this stuff. I don't under, like to me, I'm also like, okay, Ashley, move on from the, like, you know, tr- switch it up a little bit. Yeah. Like you could get one of these long dresses. And cut a long slit in it up to mid thigh. Yeah. And then you would still have like the flowy aspect that you're wanting that is a little sexy and sultry, but you would still be technically covered and it would be acceptable in this realm. Like you, if you're not someone that was brought up in the church, you don't know how to break the rules in the right way. Yeah. You got to have the rules hammered into your skull and then you can know how to break the rules right wendy knows what i'm talking about just roll yeah. it up the rolling up the the, the catholic skirt. skirt uniform thing you know how to break the rules and how to get away with it yeah uh karen brings up candace uh to ashley karen's like i mean i shared with her that it was odd that you know no one brought her name up at the housewarming and then they showed the flashback of karen telling this to candace and candace is going I would prefer that they don't bring up my name, actually. <laughs> like, I'm fine with that. Yeah, um, I'm fine if y'all don't gossip about me when I'm not there. Karen does say in her confessional, they're like, I know an icy situation when I see it. Ice a bitch out 101 is don't mention her name. I've been there. And it's like, yeah, that to that point, I do ab- I appreciate Karen being like, I see what y'all are doing to Candace and Wendy. Right. And, like, I'm not going to have that happen. Right. Like that that is where like I feel like the motherly role that Karen's like tried to have for like eight seasons, I feel like could maybe actually work this season. I'm hopeful. Right. And I think that also Karen just understands that if the if Wendy and Candace aren't central when they're not on the screen, then they won't be on the screen anymore. Right. And that's 
what she, she's like Mm-mm, we ain't doing that y'all ain't leaving me on here by myself <laughs> karen tells uh ashley can you tell me anything about this damn lawsuit that michael has started and ashley's like i mean you would know more than me because you talked to candace which is such bullshit like because karen's like she doesn't tell me anything and clear, clearly candace isn't going to say anything on camera especially because she's the defendant in it and you're not going to like you know incriminate yourself more or whatever sure but like the argument of well, you're friends with Candace, so you would know more. Bitch, you're married to Michael. You're going on vacations with this man, too. It's not like, like yeah, I don't believe they haven't talked about it. Uh, Karen goes in her confessional. I think Michael's trying to make a point, but was it worth two million? Maybe two pennies. <laughs> That's more realistic because, I mean, we've all heard this. Candace just has a wonderful way of putting the butter to the bread when it comes to cutting somebody's throat. <laughs> Michael's existence on Potomac is what trashed his reputation. Yeah. Candace had nothing to do with but that. But I was like, oh, God, Karen, you saying that in your confessional, like, you may get a lawsuit, too. I feel he's going to be so, like, litigious in that regard. And, like. Yeah. And it's bullshit because the second that it goes to court, it's going to get dismissed. Yeah. It's it's so stupid. Like, yeah. he, what can he prove? Um, Karen uh, brings up uh, what Mia had said to her at, uh, about Wendy calling her slow and how she was upset about that because of her son and that. Ashley in a confessional. Is Mia really hurt someone called her slow? I don't think so. But if it's going to help prove a point to her, but by golly, Mia is going to ride that off into the sunset. And I was like, okay, Ashley. I like that Ashley was like calling out me in that regard so i was and and if ashley is trying to play this like i do really want to be friends with wendy thing i was like at least you're putting in the work to prove that to a certain extent i mean because she didn't have to mention that she fucked up when she talked to neca sure, sure we'll she, get to that she but... could have just let it lie and let there be utter confusion and chaos as to why this was happening but she didn't she admitted it as soon as she realized it happened. Yeah. So maybe she is honest. Also, it would be on brand for Mia to actually be so slow that she realized, <laughs> or that, that she fully believes that the comment was about her son and not about her actually being like catch up. Yeah. Mia, this is what we're talking about. You being slow, <laughs> slow ass. Um, Ashley brings up to Karen, the conversation with Wendy about NECA. She's like, I think when we were chatting about it, I may have implied to Wendy that NECA was, like, sort of implying that Wendy was Osu. And the way that Karen goes and, like, like grabs her chair. like There's so much hedging on that. Like, maybe kind of possibly um, in an alternate reality, um, 10 feet away with somebody else's dick. You know, that sort of thing. Like... <laughs> Karen's like, so did she call her Osu? And Ashley's like, NECA didn't say anything. And Karen goes... So you made that shit up. You were being messy. And Ashley's like, no, I misremembered. <laughs> she says the word misremembered like five more times later. Like, she's very much like, no, that's the word. It's misremembered. That's different. Well, I mean, to be fair, she's also now misremembering a different way. Because if you look at the scene, NECA brings the, the article it says, is this true, basically? Well, no, no, no. Ashley brings it up. Oh, I thought that that NECA was the one that brought up the article. No, Ashley brings it up in the first place. That's the whole, like, that, the, the whole leading of the discussion, even about the article, was from Ashley. It, it's, like, so ridiculous. Like, come on. Like, ugh. And then I, I cracked up at Karen in her confessional going, girl, Ashley got a wooden leg. 
When she drank it, go straight to her big toe and stay there. Oh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's going in my head. No, it went to that bunion on your, your, on your toe. You know the way it looks like that? <laughs> oh, jeez. I, and, I, and I had to, on the rewatch, it just felt like randomly she brought up, like, the, Ashley has a bunion. But, like, there was, like, a brief moment where Ashley's like, yeah, I got a bunion that I got to get out. So I was like, oh, Karen didn't just pull it out of nowhere. Great. Awesome. Well, I mean, sometimes she does. You remember the sink sink comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your fiery box that's on fire right now. <laughs> that's why we all went to Sing Sing. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, Carter and Cruz, uh, Wendy's sons, they have their communion, and then we go to their communion brunch. Wendy looks amazing in this white dress. Not surprised. Like, phenomenal. Um, <laughs> so they're talking at the table. Wendy's mom is like, do we pray now? And Wendy goes, are you excited to pray or something? Because, you know, I'm praying. And Wendy's like, I'm supposed to pray. Wendy's mom goes, I'm supposed to pray. They are my children. Because I birthed you, they are my children. <laughs> Wendy's mom is a mood. And I kind of love the messiness of Wendy's mom. Like, But apparently it's also very common. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, I'm sorry. I'm the matriarch of this family. They're all mine. Yeah. <laughs> Until I go. <laughs> Until I go, you ain't got kids. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. my kids. <laughs> I'm like, okay, then you gonna feed them? Exactly. Like, you, you get them up and get them dressed to go to school in the morning. I'm asleep in. That's how I would handle that. Call me when you need me. <laughs> Call me when you need a babysitter. Yeah. I would go turn up. Um, the guests then started rubbing. I love um, Eddie in that yellow, because they're all supposed to wear, the rest of them are supposed to wear yellow. That yellow suit that he has on. He looks great, by the way. I think he's a very underrated, hot. Oh, outfit. yes. Absolutely. absolutely. And Candace is on, come on, black sunshine. <laughs> like, <is> he... <laughs> come on, happy Eddie. <laughs> um, Wendy's mom talks to the women at the table. She goes, is Mia coming? I want to get more drinks, and I want to get my raincoat from the car. I'm like, oh, get her. <laughs> like, I and when he's like, you know, that's my mom. Like, if anyone hurts her baby, she turns into mama bear and wants to protect them. And I feel like that's what happens later on. It, it was so funny, though, because her mom literally just popped in, throw shade, and then went away. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. what are you doing here? <laughs> Ashley then walks in. And my God, this dress at a freaking communion. Like, I am all for body positivity. And, like, I don't like to critique. But there's a time and a place for your freaking dress. Like, and this is this not is it. not it. <laughs> <laughs> Ash's like, sorry about my girls. Like, I haven't learned, like, how to dress. Like, she's using the excuse of, like, because of my new boobs. Like, I need to, like. You had several dresses at that dress shop she that would have worked. She literally said one of them was like, oh, it actually fits really well with my boobs. <laughs> so, like, come on. Then get that one. Uh, and then Candace with the napkins in her confessional to be like, just cover it up. <laughs> Put them away. Because God is not pleased. <laughs> And then Ashley comes up to the table and she's like, hey, Candace, can you like move your purse? Because her purse is in the empty chair. And Candace goes, can I get another chair for my purse? <laughs> <laughs> you, She knows very well that black women do not put their purses on the floor. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. That is a big thing. You do not put your purse on the floor. Like, come on. Like, you know this. Stop acting like you're brand new. Mm. Um, Wendy uh, says thank you to everyone for coming at the table. She's like, even more, you know, you two, Wendy and Candace, or uh, Candace and Ashley, because I know you have your issues. And this is where Candace is like, look, I'll say this. Like, I'll always be okay being in a room with you, Ashley. I, I'll never have that problem. And Ashley's like, I echo that. And I respect that. <laughs> They're very just, like, both, like, keeping each other at a distance in certain regards. But, like being respectful enough, which again is all I asked for on this show. Right. It's not that hard. Karen's like, on that note, 
have you guys heard of pickleball? And I'm like, oh, no. Not this again. Like, we had it on Vanderpump, and now it's it's invading everywhere. OC had it. Like, it's, 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 it's too much. But, of course, Ray, because she's like, well, Ray's into pickleball. And I'm like, of course, it's like that's a Ray sport. Ray is 80,000 years old. Why is he playing sports? Yeah. Uh. He needs to just relax and just like live like, off that that black Bill Gates money. The only sports he needs to be playing is golf that you play f- while sitting on the toilet. Yeah, have you seen those? Oh, the little yeah, yeah, putting yeah. greens. That's it. That's as far as you need to go with golf because you're going to break a hip, you're going to break your big toe, like something. Yeah. Stop it. But she invites them to oh get have a get together to play pickleball. Um, Ashley then is like. Um, I'll say this also to you, Wendy. You know, you and I had our talk about NECA, and I want to clear up that I may have implied that she said that about you being Osu, um, but she didn't. I misrepresented that. And Wendy goes, huh? <laughs> and even, like, also, Ashley was, like, halfway through the sentence, and the look on Candace's face being like, yep, this is what's about to happen. Like... It's so let me let me check my notes. Oh, that's right. Messy ass hoe. That that is correct. Okay. When he says, You said she came at you real like, oh, it's such a bad thing. Like I'm not a part of it, but Wendy is. And Ashley goes, I didn't say she said you were a part of it. I didn't say that. <laughs> it was like, Oh God, Ashley, don't like you know. I if you can't remember what happened originally, don't try to like be the fact police now. But then she goes, if I told you that, I apologize. I never intended to. And Candace and her professional goes, I told you. It's not even worth getting upset over or losing a piece of hair over because Ashley is a lie. She's a bold-faced lie. That's why her forehead is so big. It's just full of lies. <laughs> we then cut over. Okay, so this is bullshit. We then cut over to NECA getting food with Robin because they hit it off at the at Ashley's housewarming. And so they wanted to get together and get lunch to learn more about each other. Um, this is, this was so, okay. I'll ask you, what do you think is, what do you think are the, like, was this all staged on both their parts? Cause I'm leaning to that. I, I lean towards that because, um, much like Ashley, Robin is a lie. <laughs> Um, so, and what is the, and when you're going into a season like this, where all the attention is going to be on you, what is the incentive to deflect onto somebody else? Right. Well, I mean, she did this last season. Yeah, exactly. And, and the season before and the season, you you know, like season one, you know, it's been Robin's thing. So like, yeah, yeah, it's bullshit. Uh, Robin asked NECA, you know, you know, do you just only know Ashley and, and NECA goes, I mean, I only know Ashley, but I met Wendy. I don't know her, but I know of her. I had a conversation with her at an event. And Robin's like, I mean, it kind of sounded at Ashley's thing that, like, y'all were meeting up for the first time. Like, that was the vibe. And NECA's like, I mean, listen, if she wants to meet for the first time, we can meet for the first time. Like, basically, like. Like, she's acting like she's never met her before. Yeah. And it's like. But also, I'm so confused even when NECA describes it because she's basically like saying here Wendy is like acting we only met for one time or whatever but also the the description of when she met her later was very much a passing thing they didn't even really talk so like 
It was very much that someone introduced them at a party and that was it. They didn't stand around each other having a conversation. Yeah, well, that's so she says, like, I met Wendy at a concert and then I met her at a birthday party. And then she says she was with her husband. I normally would have smiled, but I was met with just eyebrows and glares. And she does this like blink, like heavy blinking motion, like glaring thing, like imitating it. She's like, so I just took my Louis Vuitton pumps and I scurried to the restroom. So then you don't know her. Like, so, so then why? Yeah, it is like you're meeting for the first time. If that's exactly how it went, which I don't even believe. Like, it's just, uh, I wanted to give, I said it last week. I wanted to give NECA the pass because of what Ashley did, like, to see right. how things, like, play out. I don't trust NECA after this, like, last scene. Well, here's the thing. Whether Ashley lied and tried to do this whole messy thing with calling Wendy Osu. And to turn NECA against her, that's neither here nor there. Right. Because NECA then took that bone and decided to do it the wrong way to handle it. She didn't go to Wendy and confirm this information. Right. She didn't, you know, go to any of her friends to confirm this information. She instead decided... To just go on a full-on campaign against Wendy. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what Ashley did. NECA already has the character to, like, be messy on that side of this cast anyway. Right. So she she picked her allegiances, and she can live or die with them. Well, and also what I was going to assume, like, going into this episode was that what happened was that Wendy heard this from Ashley, right? Wendy took this to her mom, and then her mom then called NECA and then went off on her, and then this is what NECA's responding to. I thought that's what that was going to be, but even what NECA's laying out isn't even that. Because she goes, I mean, I was expecting, like, more aggression from Wendy when we were there, and Robin's like, why? She goes... Because the past three weeks, her family has been, like, really aggressive towards me. So, like, Neck is now making us believe that it was, like, even before the show started filming. Right. That stuff was happening. She's like, so she has, like, an older sister, Ivy, who we see at the communion, mm -hmm. um, that's been contacting my husband's cousin. Ivy called her one day upset because she said that I was using her name to socialize with you women. And by the whole, also the whole time, the rest of this conversation... This is why I believe it could be a two-way. The way Robin's just going, what? Like, right. And, and also, for someone, like, for someone being like, oh, they're taking my joy away, blah, 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 by talking about this. She is fully, like, she is eating chips. She's, like, she's like fully invested in this. And, like, in a way that's, like, not even normal. Like, it's not, like, normal reactions. Yeah. It just feels like she was waiting for this moment to just sort of, like, relish in it. Yeah. Can you repeat the accusation that NECA is making again? Because so, it, I'm confused as to what Wendy did wrong. She seems that she says, so she says here that Wendy's older sister, okay. Ivy, contacted her husband's cousin. Why the okay. husband's cousin? I don't know. I think what NECA said, they, they were friends maybe at some point. I don't know. Okay. But that she said that NECA was using Wendy's name to socialize with the other women. Like, hi, I'm, fr I guess implying being like, hi, I'm friends with Wendy, so et cetera. that sounds awfully familiar. Sounds like exactly how What's-Her-Name entered the Atlanta group. Oh, sure. It's the exact scenario of, why are you saying we know each other? <laughs> that is so true. 
That is so true. What is happening here? Yeah, it's like, come on. I, do, I and I don't believe that like Neca like this is it's kind of like fourth wall breaking of like she's implying like when he knew that I was being casted and so therefore whatever. Anyway, she was like, she called me a clout chaser that I needed a restraining order. And Robin's like, huh? That's crazy. Like, but Robin's like, tell me more. But um, also, NECA got on the show because she's friends with Ashley. Sure. Not because she's friends with Wendy. I just don't believe Wendy so, would care. But if if that was what was happening, right? right if then NECA would have been brought on as Wendy's friend. So then why would Wendy's cousin have any or sister have any reason to contact NECA and her family? I guess you could maybe argue like the storyline like that. Oh, the connection that we're both Nigerian and that we're both Igbo. That could be the end to get like to create story. I, I don't know. I, again, I just don't think Wendy thought of it that deeply. I no. really don't. And then she goes, fast forward a couple days later, Wendy's mom calls my husband's cousin and Robin goes, stop, what? Like, <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. It's so, like, take a chill pill, Robin. Neka goes, starts out like super creepy. Like, I ha- you know, have I prayed with you before? And then she proceeds to say, have I ever prayed against you? And then she started saying, it's a sin to use somebody's name and that she has a shrine. And that's where she puts the names. And Robin goes, what? She's doing voodoo on you? And this, as soon as she said that, I was like, I knew you were going to be like, fuck this shit. Like, so. Um, NECA then says, and then they said we should ask about her in the DMV and ask about the people that she's prayed against and see how they're doing. They're not doing well. <laughs> One, if, NECA's mo- or if Wendy's mom said this, work. That's fierce. <laughs> like, <laughs> But also, if Wendy's mom said this, then the shady thing that she popped over to to say at the communion would not have been anything about Mia. Yeah. It would have been, is Nekahoas coming? Right. And that, but that's the thing. Like, even when Wendy said at the, at the communion thing, like, my mom's like a mama bear to where, like, if she, someone goes after me, she'll retaliate. I think that is the, I don't think her mother would just go after someone for no reason. Right. Like as much as like I could I could believe her mother would tear into somebody oh, like completely. Like that there's no denying that. But I don't believe that that was the case. To me it would have made more sense that if Wendy had told her what Ashley said right. and then she responded. Like that would have made way more sense. Um and then oh my god, and then Robin then goes, "I know you're from the same tribe. Like is that normal?" And then Robin goes, I mean, I've had a lot of shit going on in my life, and I'm starting to think Wendy's mom put a hex on me. It's like, oh, my God, is that going to be your excuse? I know she was joking, but it was like, I wouldn't be surprised if she, like, ran with that. Well, and we see it in the previews for, I think, next episode mm-hmm. when, the, like, the the little uh, warming thing oh, yeah, yeah, falls yeah. over and, like, catches on fire. They're and- really playing that up as if it's, like, some voodoo shit, and it's like... It's like, okay, number one, voodoo is a religion in and of itself. So stop being disrespectful. Yeah. Number two, if you really thought she was voodoo, you wouldn't be fucking with her. Yeah. Because she would have your ass three ways to Sunday. So, like, sit down and shut the fuck up. But also, it's like, way to really beat the colorism allegations, guys, by making... 
jokes about stereotypes of Nigerian women. Right. Like, like it's really not like it's not doing what you think you're, it's doing. Yeah, it, it really isn't. And like, and NECA like going along with it too. I I've seen. I I can't speak to it. Like I can more just like amplify what like black um, content creators have been saying about this season. But it's like it's it is. I can feel the frustration of just like we're re- NECA's really just letting them like oh yeah make this about Nigerian culture and just sort of like you know, allowing them to just sort of run across this in a way that's like, just not really respectful whatsoever. It's, it's, I, I, as someone who has no connection with that culture, I can still feel like this is really frustrating. It's giving pick me. It's very much so. Oh God. Yeah. So that was Potomac for this week. Um, we'll see how things sort of shape up, but obviously like (laughs) we have our sides and we're sticking to it. Um, We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of real housewives of salt Lake city. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com Welcome back to A Gay in a Zimby. Let's head on over to Utah where the ladies are talking bonnets, butter, and Bermuda trips on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. New episode of Salt Lake City for this week. This was a very intriguing one, I feel. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I feel like this is where we're starting to get a get to where we seemingly end up at the reunion because there was definitely like once like things were like once BravoCon ended it seemed like everyone was very much like fuck Monica and going into this reunion and all the stuff that came out about like the lawsuits with like Heather Mm -hmm. and Monica I was like what changes but now I think we're starting to see it and I think while I don't love why it's happening I think it's intriguing like the reason it's happening because it's we'll get to our theory about Heather and, and why Heather changes. I'm I'm still kind of confused. Maybe I'll develop a theory. I think I have a th- I have a thought that of of why that is. So, um we start the episode with Heather and she's FaceTiming uh, her daughter Ashley. Um her daughter's like asking about like the book signing and how it, and it, it you know went and she's like it was great. Lisa wrote a rap to introduce me and I was like, "Oh my god, Lisa wrote that rap?" <laughs> I mean, 
that tracks. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you heard it. I mean, it, 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 just put it in the wash. It's fine. Um, but Heather talks about like, you know, wanting to do a luncheon um, to help celebrate after the, the success of the book event and that, you know, wants to make it like pioneer themed. She's like, you know, since it's, you know, April, April 6th, 1830, that's the founding of the church, you know? Um, and she wants to sell, she says, I want to celebrate the fun, kitschy aspects of our culture. You know, what Lisa would call embarrassing aspects of growing up Mormon. <laughs> yeah. Which like, I mean, I guess this was, I mean, I just look at this as more just like, pioneer i mean i get but like the, it is the connection or whatever it was like you know us living in like pennsylvania now we haven't gotten to explore like amish country even right. though i know that's like separate but it was right. it was giving much of those vibes where, well but it's also it's a similar time period and like similar activities and like lifestyle like because outside of the cities pretty much everyone lived that way right and you know, the only thing that changed is that while other, like, settlements developed and moved forward, like Amish and Mennonite and different, like, pioneer sort of groups stayed in that era and that aesthetic. I don't want to say aesthetic because that minimizes it, but you know what I mean. Like, it's... <laughs> Heather makes a joke later, like, it's not a costume, guys, so that's why, <laughs> like, I know you said no costumes, but... Culture. <laughs> culture that's the word yeah um we then go to the scene of monica at her home uh with her daughter brie um and because brie's getting ready for her prom so she's showing monica's showing her like some of her old like prom photos i know she brings up the stack of like photo albums she's like why do you have all those and monica goes because once upon a time we had these things called cameras <laughs> and you would have to go get pictures developed and then put it it doesn't just stay on your phone <laughs> yeah uh i mean monica it's so weird because you don't really view monica as like of an older generation. I, but I mean, I guess, I mean, she's, she's our age. Yeah. I mean, there was like a little a, bit older. We got like a brief period where we still had like cameras that you had to, you know, take the CVS and then. Hey, out. look, I went to Disney world on one of those little digital cameras that had the, the batteries. Oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you didn't keep the batteries charged, then you lost all your pictures. It's a fun game to play. It's not a fun game to play <laughs> at all. Um, and I love they're going through photos and there's stuff of like Monica when she was younger. She goes, look at Vovo. Look at me pulling her hair. The aggression started from a young age. I knew who she was out of the womb, <laughs> which was funny. But also, I don't know if you saw some of the discussion that was online about like this scene about like, because some people had opinions about it, about that it was kind of like. What's the word when, like, there's a word for where, you, like, you pass your trauma onto your child or whatever, and it's, like, very, um, I, I, God, there's a word for it. There's a phrase where it's, like, it, basically being, like, you're kind of, like, it's not the right idea for Monica to sort of, like, talk about her mother in that, like, in such an in-depth sort of way. Like, even though that is sort of your older child especially, it is still your child, and you have to, like... You know, there, keep certain things separate. I saw some critiques about it also being on camera and being performative. And I'm like, because they're on a reality show. Everything is like, to yeah. me, like that doesn't register with me. But I'm more of the other stuff of like whether it's right to talk about. It would it would be one thing if if they wanted her around. But according to Monica. Right. Her children don't want anything to do with her. Yeah. So I feel like there's no protecting her at this point. At this point, 
like I feel like there's a level of honesty that needs to be had to protect your children from that woman. Sure. It's like, it's one thing, like if, like in a divorce, for example, if, you know, you're the child with, or if you're the parent with primary custody, it is important that you're not bad mouthing their other parent. Right. Especially when they're very young. But there is a certain point where you need to be honest with your children about why you chose to get a divorce and why that was no longer healthy. Because what it does is tell them that if this marriage is not good for you, if any relationship is not good for you, you are free to walk away from that. Sure. Yeah. And it gives, it gives power to those kids. It gives them the ability to go, you know, it doesn't matter if someone is family. It doesn't matter if they are my spouse. It does not matter if they are my best friend for 20 years. If they no longer serve my life, it is okay to let them go. Yeah. Um, Monica then like starts getting emotional because she's like, you know, tells her daughter about how, like how her mom, when her dad left that she based, and she talked about this before that her mom like basically destroyed all photos of him. So she has no image of like what he even looks like, whether he's alive or not, basically. Um, but so she gives her daughter Brie this album that's specifically like photos of her, of Brie when she was a baby. Um, but that they have photos of her biological dad. Um, to, you know, so that she didn't have that same experience that Monica did. Um, and Monica lays out like the situation where she says like, I got pregnant very young. I married her father at the time. He left for work one day and my daughter was crawling on the floor and I could hear her playing with something. And it was a clear plastic bag full of Oxycontin. My jaw was on the ground. It was, it was, and the way Monica, there's so much, you could tell that she's so like, there's so much trauma in Monica's life. The way she delivers it is so like yeah, normal. It's, it's, it's clearly sh- clear that she has packed those emotions away mm-hmm. in a box in the deep recesses of her mind. And she completely dissociates from that emotion so that she can talk about it, frankly. Yeah. Which I think is healthy when you're talking with your children to not have an overly emotional conversation about it with your children. Right. But I also think that it's important to then get that box and take it with you to therapy and open the box and go, Hey, here's all the emotions. I need to let these out somewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She says in that moment, I grabbed my daughter and I never looked back. Um, and then she talks about, she says that Bri- that Bri has already seen some of these photos. So it's not like she's like springing it onto her at this right. moment. Um, and that she knows that Mike, her current ex or soon to be ex-husband because they're going through the divorce knows that Mike adopted her so right. that it's not that there's a separate separation from what her biological father is. And that she says, um, she specifically says, because when I was going through all of this, I went to therapy and the number one thing that the therapist told me was always be honest. And I think, right. well, we'll see how that pans out with like the, the possible twist at the end of the season in the friend group. But you know, but I think in terms of what we've at least seen, as of now, I think that has been Monica's strongest quality is that yeah. she lays everything out on front street and is like, well, and she does it before anyone else can weaponize it. Right. And I, I just, I really respect her for that because so many women get on this show and try to hide all their skeletons. And it's like, you do realize that once you get on reality television, all your walls become glass. Mm-hmm. You don't get to hide things anymore, Robin Dixon. <laughs> um, like you, it's not something you get to do. Yeah, all of your life will be found out. 
So you might as well just do it yourself because then you don't have to worry about it, right? Then you can just be free. Well, that's what I'm hopeful of whatever comes out like towards the end of the season that Monica is just going to be like, yeah, and what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have a feeling that that's what, what it's going to be. And that makes me also very excited for the reunion because I feel like she's just going to come in like guns a blazing. Yeah. Um, which always works out well. Um, we then go to Angie who's going out on a dinner date with Sean. Oh my God, this outfit that Angie was wearing, dear Lord. Well, it's funny because she got out of the car and you said, there's no way that this man is gay because he let he his goes, wife out of the house looking he like He literally that. goes, love your outfit. I was like, okay, you're trying to beat those allegations. <laughs> like, because that outfit was awful. But also, if you look at what he's wearing, he has his painted on pants again. And it's like... Okay, but that's still a gay man. Yeah. <laughs> He's it, just a gay man without taste. Yeah, it's this, like, silvery, like, top with, like, these, like, very, like, shiny, like, black. It was giving. If if Angie would have put on a shorter blonde wig, it would have literally been the meme of the taste the biscuit. Oh, my God. <laughs> it looked just like it. It was so strange. Um, So they, they're sitting down to eat. They order. And there's just, like awkward silence between the two of them because they're just like and Angie's like so like what do we talk about like so like they're very I don't again I don't know what is like put on with this I always had suspicions of this whole we don't know how to date anymore and like you know we're just so busy with our 12 year old daughter that's like I just don't understand like like for example we've been together for seven years we've yeah. been married for five we don't sit and talk all the time. Right. <laughs> because we're comfortable with silence. We're okay with that. There's no awkwardness. Like, we could sit in a room, be doing our own thing, and not talking. And that's okay. Yeah. These two clearly are not comfortable with each it other. It feels like a... Either, There's no intimacy. Well, it feels also like a performance of, like, portraying a good relationship on Angie's part. I don't think Sean is as obsessed with this. Right. To me. Um, maybe it's because he's fucking other men. I don't know. But I think just from a base level, he's just like, yeah, this is fine. And I think he's only being like, yeah, we got to work on things because Angie's upset about it. Right. And and to me, that that's at least what it comes off to me. But anyways, Angie's like, you know, something I've been really wanting to share. It just feels like, you know, we're always like passing each other. You know, we have work. We have Electra. You pick her up. You know, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's like we're, we're together, but we're not really together. And then the, this conversation gets weird. She's like, it sounds like so dumb, but like, I don't even know what music you like anymore. All the country music that you play in your car. I'm just cringing the whole time. Like when I first met you, you didn't listen to country. And it was like, did she just pick country music because that's the le the least gay option? But is it real? Is, is it, it really not anymore? Like you've seen that TikTok song, the, uh, he's grinding on my booty cheeks. He's oh, yeah, he's... yeah, that one. <laughs> is that what he's listening to? That's Angie? what he's listening to. <laughs> Sean's like, I've always listened to country. And Angie goes, it's annoying. And then Sean goes, I mean, when I get in your car, you listen to the Humpty Dance. Like, that's annoying. And then they just start arguing over the Humpty Dance and, like, whether... What the hell is the Humpty Dance? You never heard the Humpty Dance? No. Uh, yeah, I, I'll play it for you later. It's, I, I'm but it not looking forward to I'll, it. I'll just say this. It doesn't feel like a song that Angie K would listen to. <laughs> Jeez. I just, I just wanted him to go, 
I mean, I, I can't help that I'm obsessed with Lady Gaga and Dua Lipa. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Kylie Minogue is my spirit animal. <laughs> Angie goes, I don't want to feel like I'm annoying to my husband. And, and she starts like crying a little bit. And like, Sean's like, look, it's been two years since you and I have been alone. You know, we lose the relationship stuff. We're worried about Electra, the business, my boyfriend. Nope, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I made that last part up. Um, and we look around and I'm like, you know, do we have stuff in common? Um, they basically, Angie's like, we just need to spend more alone time together. And like, also Angie's crying face is like, it's, it's like the, again, with as much plastic surgery as Angie has, no offense, but like, it's just like the way it like settles when she's crying is not the best. It's it's very triggering. <laughs> um, it's like the, do you remember the OC vacation where like Vicky's just like breaking out in hives at that one point and like oh, everything's swelling? Geez, yeah. It, it gives like that vibe. Um, so, uh, oh. And you then, mean the season where she looks like Alvin the Chipmunk? Yeah. Yeah. And it, the, yeah, it's bad. But also the, the fucking jump scare because they cut to Angie K's confessional and it's like, oh my God, I literally thought she was in a neck brace. Like I literally <laughs> thought she like broke her neck or something, but no, it's like this jeweled like choker thing, giant choker with like a cross, like, like jeweled choker with a cross, but with like a leopard, like sort of like strapless top. I was like, like, what are we doing? I don't know. It's not for me. You know, uh, God, yeah. So we then go to Heather's house, and she's literally having she's having Lisa over. So she's decoratively plating Wendy's, and like <laughs> it's very Sutton coated. It's so it's better. I, like the Popeyes was one thing because I Popeyes is you know at you, least there's a main dish and some sides, like fried and, chicken. You can have like yeah, but it's like it's just like burgers and like chicken nuggets like laid out like all fancily on these like silver trays and and like the frosty like the chocolate frosties like it's like come on uh but so and we'll get it it'll lend to our theory i think heather was really trying to impress lisa here we'll we'll say that um and then lisa pulls up and and she, we just hear it and as she pulled we were like what happened she's like oh my god did i hit something I didn't see anything. Is it bad? Did I ruin my, my car? And yeah, like the full like plastic bottom end of her car is like wrecked. Cause I guess like there's like a, I don't even think that was plastic. It looked like crumpled metal. Yeah. Cause there's like some decorative like boulder that's in like, you know, the, people have like the boulders in the lawn sort of like for like, I don't, I don't know why it's there. Even I like that boulder. That's <laughs> a nice boulder. Lisa goes, Hey, I just hit your rock on my car. <laughs> Heather's like, oh, that giant boulder. Like, I wanted to have that removed. And Lisa goes, you need to. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Heather joking. Her crush, like, I don't even know if I have, like, my homeowner's insurance activated. Like, shit. How? How do you... Rich people are so dumb with money. I know, right? Because you better believe, like, the second... Like, I had our renter's insurance ready to switch over a month before we moved. Yeah. Like, it was already set up. It was in line. It just needed to hit the bank account when it transferred over. It was, like, rich people just do all sorts of willy-nilly dangerous shit because they could afford to pay for it if it doesn't work. Right. It's, like, ridiculous. Uh, Lisa's like, do you have a scooper for the chicken nuggets? <laughs> She's like, Heather's like, no, just hand it. You know, this is just two best friends hanging out. Like, 
Heather is so excited that her and Lisa are cool. And again, I think we'll get to it later, but like with Heather's tendencies, when it comes to that, it doesn't always lead the best when she becomes like has a friendship. Like she gets very dependent on that friendship. Well, and like, I think it comes from her trauma with the church Yeah, because she is so traumatized by the idea of being on the outside that, when she sees how people are grouping up, she does anything that she needs to to be in that group. Right. Like, and also the reason she was hanging on to Jen for so long. Yeah. And the reason she hung on to Jen literally until after Jen was in jail. And now she's kind of standing on her own. And I thought she was maybe going to be, this was going to be the season where Heather was like her own person but doesn't seem to be the doesn't case. seem to be the case. She's now hitching her wagon to someone else, and it's like I need you to stop. But also, the Lisa dynamic also has been such a long running story on this franchise from like the beginning. Yeah. And I always feel like Heather has been like a little jealous of like wanting to be Lisa's friend in many ways. Right? She would never admit that, but I think I think it's also part of what led to the breakup with her and Whitney. Yeah, was that Whitney kind of gravitated towards Lisa, and then that and she was jealous. Yeah. Um, Heather goes, I can't believe you opened that barbecue sauce in a white shirt, you know, on that white couch. And Lisa goes, girl, I'm a pro. <laughs> this ain't my first day. <laughs> and then Lisa's like, I think Jack's ready to go on his mission just to get away from us. He's like irritated that I keep saying his mission's bougie. And Heather goes, yeah, that's irritating. <laughs> well, I mean, technically it is bougie because he ended up in OC. Well, <laughs> no, he's still waiting on that visa. That's all it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll I'll believe the visa story when I see him do an IG update from uh from Columbia. Yeah. Heather then tells Lisa, you know, that she's thinking of like planning a trip. Lisa's like, where do you want to go? Heather's like, I mean like tropical for sure. Lisa goes Lisa goes, Ooh, I like this. <laughs> and then <laughs> this was so funny to me. Heather goes, So I went out with Monica last night and and then Lisa goes, Oh, you did? <laughs> like cutting out <laughs> mid sentence. <laughs> Because she's not obsessed with Monica. She doesn't care about Monica at all, guys. Like, no, not at all. Heather's like, you know, she's used to spending her summers in Bermuda, she told me. So, like, I was suggesting, like, maybe we go to Bermuda, like, for her birthday. And and because we're going flashing to these scenes with her and Monica as well. But Heather tells Monica, like, I mean, if we're going to all go on this trip, I want Lisa to go as well. So you do need to make up with Lisa so everything's good before we go. And Monica's like, okay, fine. <laughs> like she's, <laughs> But also, like... I understand why she was doing it because Lisa's a cast member. Lisa needs to go on the trip. Yeah. But also, like, to tell someone, like, remove the reality t- TV bit from it. Yeah. To, sell, to tell someone that they need to make up with someone so that they can then be invited on their birthday trip. Right, right, right. It's like, fuck you. This is my birthday trip. Who I want to go is going to go, and that bitch could stay the fuck home. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense in, like, a normal world. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, just pull back the fourth wall. Go, hey, Lisa is part of this group, and she needs to go on this trip with us. So, <laughs> like, you kind of have to make amends with her. Yeah. Like, that I would have believed more. Yeah. And Heather also tells her, like, you know, we'll announce it, like, at the Pioneer lunch this vacation, which I feel like Heather really had set in her mind, which mm-hmm. doesn't turn out well. Um, Heather goes... 
I don't, to Lisa, she goes, I don't want you to think that it's like a bitch move or anything. Like, I really think that she's going to make it right. And Lisa goes, I don't care if she's there, but like, she's not my problem. Like, I don't even need an apology from her. Like, I'm just like not interested. So <laughs> like, just, then just take the apology. Lisa doesn't, again, Lisa doesn't do a good job of showing that she doesn't really care about Monica at the end of the day. Also, I don't care if she's there on her birthday trip. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, what? I know. You're the one with the question mark over your head, not her. <laughs> it's her trip. Yeah. Uh, we see Whitney going to the bar with Angie to sort of talk about their, basically just to re- be like, God, our marriages suck. Like, it's it's essentially like, yeah. there's not much in this scene, um, like, except for the fact that their bartender was very hot. <laughs> That's the only thing that we noted. Even though, and I normally don't like a man bun, but like, yeah, I could ignore it. <laughs> Uh, Angie's like, I don't even have time for like my husband. Like I talk to Lisa more than I talk to my husband. I believe that. Uh, yeah, I do too. Yeah. Your husband with the painted on pants. <laughs> um, Angie talks about like the awkward silence that, um, her and Sean were having at their date. And Whitney's basically like, I experienced that lately too, where I don't know what to say, you know, to Justin. And when we have these like conversations, Angie basically says that she's embarrassed to say that they haven't spent much time together. And Whitney's like, when do you have sex? <laughs> like just basically like laying it out like very plainly. And she's like, I mean, like we're fighting to get with each other like once a week. I, again, like I don't, is it that hard to like, like I, I you're in a, like I, they keep making the point of like, well, Electra like sleeps in the same bed with us or whatever. But it's like, again, like you don't have any time. Look, if he could get away to do his grinder hooks, hookups, he could get away to hook up with his wife. I mean, seriously, like, I guess, I mean, I guess the point is like, you know, oh, make the time, like get a, go on a date night where you get like a hotel room or something or whatever. But it's like, it just seems, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, Whitney is, uh, Whitney then kind of lays out very plainly that like last November they went on, her and Justin went on this like spa trip and she basically was like, so like, do you still want to do this? Like (laughs) in this marriage? And Justin's like, what do you think? And she's like, I don't know. (laughs) That's kind of a sign. I just don't understand how they got to this point because last year they seemed to be all hunky dory. Right. Well, and who is hunky dory? Sure. <laughs> but also, so Whitney's like, I mean, I'm no longer a stay at home mom, and the way we communicate is different. I'm more outspoken than I was in the past. So it seems to be like a, like the only sense that I get is that it feels like kind of what we were talking about like with Erica last week of just like there's a di- there was a dynamic in this relationship yeah. where Whitney was I mean clearly much younger yeah. and you know dependent in certain ways on Justin and so now that she's the big reality star who has t- she keeps saying like I have two businesses and stuff like that but I mean it's like cuz you're on reality television yeah and like that's what's going to be bringing you the money more than anything like that now things are changed and now I want to be more dominant and therefore the it's like you said like the the basis of the relationship isn't there so like why yeah why you know continue it and then she completely like i feel like her saying this as well she goes like justin hates when i say this but i don't think it's natural to be married and monogamous it's like yeah i can understand why he would hate that because it's like why like especially if you're having times in which you're questioning whether you should be married i don't think it's natural for everyone i think it is easy to do that like it's certainly easier to focus on one partner than multiple ones right it just it it takes a lot of energy to have 
an extra partner. Like I just, cause then you gotta like go on dates with multiple people. You gotta like schedule time to make sure that everyone feels connected and paid attention to. And it's like, I, I have enough trouble paying attention to myself. Yeah. Like it's trying to work in a third person. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Angie then goes, I mean, like we're animals, like animals don't stay with the same mate their whole life. Unless they're a duck. Did you know that? Like, she was so impressed that she brought out this, like, duck fact. But it's not even true. That's geese. Oh, is it geese? It's, it's oh. geese and penguins. How do you know this? I, oh, I, no, I know about the penguins ones, actually. The penguins one I've heard somewhere that, like, in terms of their mating. But, like, I... Ducks? No. The Actually, part of the reason that ducks have the corkscrew dick thing mm. is to, like, mark their mates. To, like... Oh. It's to ruin. Yeah. Fun fact. The more you know. Yeah. God, that's terrible. Um, the animal kingdom is wild. Yeah. Um, Meredith and Seth, we go over to their house, and they're having Whitney and Justin over for their podcast. I'd st- this scene was more than last week in terms of, like, I don't know about these, like, scenes in which they film each other recording a podcast like this seems like strange it's, it's a little meta for me yeah and it's like <laughs> especially all, since none of these episodes came out until the season aired right but also the way you communicate on a podcast is different than the way you communicate on a reality show like it's very like stunted so i was like this sounds like a terrible podcast because of the way they were like right because there's a lot of like i i it, it's it's hard for me sometimes because i will give you a reaction on my face, mm-hmm. but I realized that I'm not being like the, our listeners can't see that reaction because right. we're audio only. So like that, I, I'm like, okay, do I need to like force a vocal reaction? Like, but then you're doing it on a reality show where there are cameras. So the podcast is going to be shitty because you're not giving the vocal reactions Yeah, because you're used to, Yeah. It's a whole thing. Whitney starts, can I apologize about the bathtub? So, and Meredith's like, it's fine. Like, she's like, so like, again, I I can't believe they're not even feuding anymore. Like, it, it just seemed like their feud just dropped this season. Yeah. Like, cause not just the bathtub thing, but also like the, the whole like, oh, you're using that sick child as an excuse to avoid. And like. Yeah, that went nowhere. They, they it just, just dropped off the face of the planet. They're like, we're just going to forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, and then, oh God, I don't know what you think about like Seth. Like I never really liked Seth on this show. I find him very just odd and. I liked him better here than I have previously. Yeah. People, people have been saying this year or this year, uh, this week that Seth is the person that everyone thinks, uh, uh, John Barlow is. Really? Yeah. People are are like turning on John Barlow and are now aligning more with Seth. Oh, I'm still a John Barlow person. (laughs) Like Seth is just like he tries too hard to be like cool and and edgy, and and also like especially now giving him a podcast mic, it's like oh god, because he then is like okay, so question number eighteen, which I guess he like laid out the questions. Craziest place that you guys ever had Whoopi, which you were also like it's called make Whoopi. Yeah, like it. It's have sex or make whoopee. Like, get your idioms right. Like, I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you. And Whitney goes, that one time I was under your desk and caught and got caught while HR walked in. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, my God. Let's, and that's not what got him fired? Exactly. 
<laughs> I, I hope it wasn't the same job. Like now that I think about it, it's like, yeah, that is weird. <laughs> like, like how did he not get fired for that? But he got fired for going on a reality TV show and having a, that weird paint party, a paint party that's supposed to be sexy and ended up not being at all. Yeah. Seth goes, you guys are authentic AF. I'm like, don't say AF. <laughs> You're like 40. AF is something you type, not something you say. Yeah. But he's like, what's the hardest thing that you guys ever went through? And then Whitney lays out that, you know, when Justin's dad died, basically Justin couldn't be there. So I had to like sort of facilitate things and like, and it, it's really emotional when she talked about it. It definitely felt like a moment. This felt like a moment where she was kind of realizing like, well, this is why I'm married to him, which I really wish that had come from him. Yeah, it was and odd it how was she odd was like coming from her because number one, Justin didn't really say anything. Yeah. And number two, that seemed like a situation where Justin would have gone, you know, when my mom was dying, I couldn't be there. And I was so grateful for Whitney stepping up and being with her in those moments. Yeah. Instead, Whitney's going, well, this is what I did for Justin. <laughs> and I really hope he's fucking grateful because it was hard. Yeah. She, she makes it a little nicer than that, but it like, was like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, she goes, it was easy to step up in that moment because he steps up for me every day. And she basically, I mean, she is correct when she's like the shit that I put that man through. And she lays out like with her father and drug issues and like sort of all her, and also her, like remember last year, the whole like discovering of her trauma and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, like her healing journey, her healing journey. Um, but I feel like that's to me, it was like the moment of her just being like, well, maybe it's actually like, there's a deeper reason why I should still be married to this person. And we shouldn't have a uh, non-monogamous relationship. Like, I don't know. Like maybe that, maybe I married for him for like an actual reason. I I also feel like it was maybe just a (laughs) storyline. I I didn't want to say it. Look, I'm going to mention it all. It did feel like a we had this storyline throughout, and so this is the inevitable con- like right. conclusion to that. Yeah. This is the heartwarming ending. Yeah. Um, we then go to Heather's Pioneer lunch. She, the, they have it all set up or whatever. Um, Heather's like, we have the bonnets and the aprons. This is going to be a hard sell because if they knew they had them, they wouldn't come. <laughs> like, they were basically... Yeah. She's basically, I had to lie to them. <laughs> I wouldn't show up. Meredith's also... Meredith shows up in these, like, flare pants that are, like, leather. They're, like, weird. Like, I don't know about, like... It just felt like heavy. I don't know much about fashion, but you know, I'm not Meredith Marks and and Brooks, but uh, I mean, they're they're Meredith Marks and Brooks, and I don't know that they necessarily know a lot of. I think Brooks is probably pretty good. Sure, Meredith not so much. Lisa shows up and goes, "Oh no, why are there bonnets and dresses? No more costumes now." <laughs> and this is where Heather goes. I mean, I would never make you do costumes. I would, however, ask you to partake in honoring our shared heritage, which is not a costume. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My culture is not a costume. (laughs) But literally, like, they just give Lisa five seconds because she's like, are we really putting these on? And then, like, five seconds pass, and she goes to Meredith, and she's like, oh, wait, you look really cute in this, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Do not lie to her. (laughs) It was not cute. Yeah. Whitney's like, what the fuck is happening? You wrote a book about leaving the Mormon church. Why are we going back to where it started? Which is fair. Again, I'm so, I've, I've also felt so conflicted about Heather's journey in certain ways in that regard, where it's like, I felt like it's only now this season where it is kind of a case of like, oh, I want to find the middle ground. 
I don't know why that is. Like, it definitely felt like in earlier seasons, it was very much like, I am divorced from this. Sure. Uh, yeah. I think last year she touched on it a little bit, but yeah. we didn't really get into the depths of it. Sure. Monica arrives and she's like, hi, Lisa. And Mo- and Lisa, just making an active point to avoid, she starts just blowing her, no- blowing her nose and like not saying anything. <laughs> Lisa, or Monica's just like, great. I'm coming in here with like a happy attitude and just trying to get through it. And then, oh, so, oh my God, Angie also with the pink bonnet, with her already like very fluffy pink fur coat, like way too fluffy. And then the those giant pink sunglasses that she's been wearing all season that are like take up half of her face. Yeah, the those are ridiculous. They it look w- like a windshield on a on a car. Yeah, um, you you the really, gayest car ever. You really loved uh, the the scene where the goats are like buying in the background in the floor. I love me some goats. Lisa's like they're just going bitch, and, the, <laughs> and then they subtitle the goat saying, "Did she just call me a bitch?" <laughs> Um, Heather does a toast uh, and basically says that she wants to focus on the fun aspects of the heritage. <laughs> Lisa going, wait, what did you say? What would they say in like pioneer times? And Heather goes, they would say, get your ass over to that barrel and keep your mouth shut. You're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't misogyny fun? Yeah. Uh, Heather uh, is like, okay, so like the first activity is we're going to learn how to churn butter. So they fill the, like the, the mason jars or whatever with like, Cream and then, which is hilarious because that's not that's a modern take on how to tr- that's not how they turned butter they well, turned butter in the big wooden things with the pole then you yeah but we don't have those they like, still have them do they, well, yes they still make them that way in a lot of places but like Heather didn't want to like Heather didn't need to go like no to Heather actual, wanted like, to have it more mobile than that so she that's got why those she bonnets did the from like job. Party City like <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> My culture is not a costume, but I bought these at a costume store. Yeah. Angie's like shaking the jar like it's maracas. Like she clearly doesn't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> uh, Heather's like, it takes six minutes. Like you guys have done this for longer than six minutes. It's fine. <laughs> but, I, but like, it, it's funny how they will like keep doing the, like Meredith does it for pretty much the whole stay but like it's funny because there will be awkward silences oh and you just hear the liquid sloshing around in the jars <laughs> it literally like would be captured on like the um the subtitles like cream sloshing <laughs> uh but because the, they move on to do the uh they're making uh dolls out of like handkerchiefs or whatever which uh-huh. i guess is another like classic thing and this is where meredith and their professor like i raise my children that once you start something you have to finish i don't see any butter on the table so the whole time she's just still shaking it she like <laughs> that that poor woman's biceps had to be just burning yeah um they present their dolls that they've like designed or whatever Meredith's like she's definitely wearing the icy bling and heather goes she has the jewels they'll cut her hands off for that <laughs> <laughs> but didn't somebody else's also have like a big blue ring or something? Maybe, yeah. Um, but then this is where it starts to turn because then Monica gets to her. She goes, "This is Molly to represent Molly Mormon, which at one point I was, and now." And then she pulls it up and she goes, "She bears a scarlet letter <laughs> to remind all of the other good pioneers on the trail, since all of you are goody goodies, that this is really what the church is about, which is forgiveness." And welcoming the black sheep into the fold. And there's just like awkward silence. And you just hear the. Of the, 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 the it was really well done. Um, they, I, I will point out 
that the Scarlet Letter was about the Puritans, not the Mormons. Yeah, <laughs> so close enough. Um, they all sit down to eat. Um, and Lisa being like, I'm only like halfway through the Book of Mormon, but I don't think there was anything in about like ribs and mac and cheese. Like, <laughs> Heather's like, you know, Lisa, even though you're an East Coast Mormon, I know you've had like funeral potatoes. And Lisa goes, actually, I've like never had them in my life. And then Heather's like, what? Like, how are you Mormon? Because <laughs> she like talks to Whitney and Monica and Whitney and Monica are like, yeah, it's like any, any like family event. We had funeral potatoes. Like that was it. Like it's like it's such a thing to where it's like. I don't know what Lisa's Mormonism is. Like it, it's it's tube tops and <laughs> and pita tequila. Pita tequila. Angie goes, I love Mormon food. I thought Greek food was good. I was like, Angie, you've gone like multiple episodes now. You should have let it die. I almost forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Heather then goes, Okay, so let's play this like pie, you know, favorite like pioneer game from like back in the day. It's called Who's on Your Wagon? And this was so fucking messy. Like, prefacing it as if this was, like, some, like, long-standing traditional game that Mormons played in, like... Yes, the the famously shady Mormons. <laughs> yeah. And she lays out, it's like, you know, it's 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 the 1800s, you all are on your covered wagon, you know, and, and but it's weighing you down. You know, one person has to go, who do you throw off your wagon? And just, like, waits for everyone to just, like... <laughs> also, that's not how that works. The if you just get out of the wagon and walk next to the wagon, yeah, like that's <laughs> that that's how caravans work. I don't know if you know how the pioneers actually got to that side of the country. They walked mostly. Yeah, Heather is like Lisa. You go first, and then Lisa goes. Well, um, I'm a big supporter of women, so I would keep everyone, but the one that's the nastiest to women. So Monica, you would have to go. Just because, you know, you're mouthy and you mean to women. What is this? Like, I didn't understand this, like, you're attacking women thing that, like, Lisa was, like, trying to pull. Like, the only people she's interacted with have been women. Like, she'll fight the husband if you want her to, but, like. She'll even do a death match, I'm sure. Just give her a chair or something. Monica goes, oh, my God, you're so nasty. Lisa goes, I'm honest. There's a difference. And Monica goes, that's not honest. There's not a difference. <laughs> and then <laughs> Lisa goes, you like my voice. You like to use it all the time. I love that. And Monica goes, I hate your voice so much. Actually, it's really annoying. I actually don't even think it's your real voice, to be honest. Uh, same monica was just like yes i was just like cheering her on it was so good i i i don't some people would think i saw like you're very the dialogue online is very split on monica i've seen yes. like it's either you love her or you think she's too childish which she is childish in certain ways i don't deny that i don't think she's childish i think she is the the thing is is that she's not being any more childish than anyone else is sure. the problem is that everyone else couches it and she reveals their bullshit and because she's not playing the same veiled game of stab people in the back instead of being direct right people call her childish she's not childish she's direct yeah heather this whole time as though as this fight is happening she is like glaring at monica like she like she's very upset i it could just be like oh my party's getting ruined like i she kind of plays that off is like but who did that right it wasn't monica you, it was lisa well lisa but also you i was gonna say heather because like you led the question like right like you but the thing is is that if 
Like, you could answer that question and not be shady. Yeah. But you then decided that Lisa was going to answer first, knowing that her answer was going to be horrific. Right. Monica goes, you know what's nasty? Comments about someone's parents not wanting them. And Lisa goes, you called your mom Ted Bundy. And anyone that can talk about their mother like that will never be your friend. He used to kill people, decapitate them, have sex with them, and eat them. That's nasty. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then you have Whitney in confessional going, I'm pretty sure that was Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. People. But also it's like, Lisa, there's a thing called a metaphor. Like, I don't know what... But also, she didn't say that to her mother's face, so it doesn't excuse anything that her mother has done. Right. Like, I, I don't... What? Monica goes, just be quiet. And Lisa goes... It, like, Lisa pauses and then realizes she hasn't gotten the last word. And she goes, no, because we aren't done yet. So, like... And then everyone just starts, like, cross-talking and yelling with each other, trying to calm the situation down. Everyone's yelling. And Monica's like, you are so nasty on the inside. You are so ugly. And then... Suddenly, Heather just goes, Monica, bring it down a level. You're being crazy. Like, it was so weird. Like, like it was like they cut something, right? No, it wasn't weird. It was this entire group of women deciding to gaslight Monica. Sure. And it, it was incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Like, I was infuriated watching this bullshit. Yeah, like, so now, like, Heather's yelling at Monica, and, like, Whitney's, like, telling Monica to calm down, and Monica's still yelling, and Lisa's still yelling, and she's, like, trying to stop something. She just goes, Opa! And then smashes a glass. <laughs> and, like, almost, when you watch it back, she almost goes, like, directly over Heather's head. Like, it was like, what are you doing? I... <laughs> but the craziest thing more than her smashing the glass was that nobody talked about it afterwards they just ignored her ass and kept going it was fabulous yeah monica says her confessional the fact that i'm being made to feel like i'm in the wrong for just defending myself is very triggering to me this is exactly like with and she's like it's exactly like with my mother you know essentially um heather gets up and tells monica to come over she's like bring your butter and then she but then like because monica's tearing up heather's like are you crying but like we have to like announce the trip and monica goes i'm not going like i'm not going on that trip heather then goes why what did she say that hurt you to this point it was so weird it's like something shifted it was like do what use the end of your the strings on your bonnet to clean out your ears because you clearly are missing shit monica goes what like you were not at that table and heather would be like yeah but it was like tit for tat it was like both of you guys equal <laughs> and who threw the first tit right <laughs> monica goes she sat down and came right after me and heather goes no she did it was a game it's like <laughs> This is where, but this is what I was talking about before. I think Heather is so committed to the friendship with Lisa now that she doesn't want to lose that. Yes. And so she's like in the way. She doesn't know how to not be someone's minion. But also much in the way that Lisa expects her friends to agree with her and then all like ice out certain people. Like she's doing, she's more than willing to do that. That's not friendship. Right. Your friends are the people that you can check. That you could pull aside and go, hey, that wasn't okay. And you don't have to worry about the friendship. Right. Lisa comes up and goes, hey, listen, if you need me to acknowledge that your mom is not nice to you, I'm sorry. And by me saying I saw her being nice does not negate any of your feelings. Is that where I missed it? It's like, it's like that's not really what you need to be like, yes, apologizing that, for. That is a thing. Like, 
like it's it's nice that you're apologizing for invalidating her experience with her mother but like there's a multitude of other there's a multitude of other things and that was not the most egregious and monica's so confused she's like i don't know um i'm just gonna apologize for saying that you were ugly and lisa goes thanks and then they just kind of Lisa's like, "Look, we just need to move forward. Like, come back to the table. Like, it's just so like." It was so, like I. It was so disheartening to see Monica crumble like that because you could you could really see it on her face how tired she was. I think she was also just confused too. It was like it was so jarring. I don't. I don't think she was confused. I think she knew exactly what was happening. That was heartbreak. Yeah. Well, I think when, especially when they get back to the table, I think she figures it out more. Like, cause she just, you can see her deflate. Sure. And she's just, she's so defeated. And so just like, I don't know why I thought it was going to be any different. I don't know why I thought I could come onto this show and come into this group of girls and it wouldn't be like this. Yeah. And then Heather, just, they sit back down and Heather just goes, so ladies, you know, the, these aren't just play settings. They're actually invitations from Monica and me to go on a spectacular girls trip to go on a foreign passport required location. And like it, the energy that Heather was giving was very specific to me and like triggering to me because it was very giving like mom on vacation when everyone's fighting like trying to like sort of mm-hmm. be like okay guys exciting new part of the trip like to like like try to like uh-huh. present the aura of niceness uh-huh. which i'm sure i bet i'm not sure specifically but i bet is also very triggering for monica uh-huh. because i can guarantee you that's how her mom operated yeah except she Instead of saying it to the group, she was saying it to a plant. Yeah. Heather's like, I need Monica to find her energy and help me announce it. And Monica's just like deflated and just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, this is like, <laughs> like, I can't like just like rebound and be like, yay, like we're going on this trip. Like, it's nothing. Like, like Heather also is like so good at bottling her emotions that it's like. Yeah. Um, but she's like, okay. So like first clue, like what? It's a seashell. What does a seashell mean? And when he's like. We're going to the ocean. Yay! Yay, ocean! <laughs> like, it's so odd. They were just like... Well, but I get it because this group has been tied to the States for two years. Yeah. Like, their first season was the only time they were able to go out of the country. Right, right, right. Well, yeah. Like, it's like... There's that... So maybe that was it, too, where Heather was just like, it is our one big trip that we finally well, get on this well, show. Well, but that's why she specifically said passport required vacation. Sure. And she's like, we get to leave the Continental 48. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Heather goes, okay, Pink Sand. So it's Pink Sand Beaches. Does anyone know where Pink Sand Beaches? And Lisa just goes, Bermuda! <laughs> and I forgot... I was like, wait. I forgot that Heather literally told Lisa already what the yeah. trip was. It's like, you could have buried the lead a little bit. But I love that Lisa acted as if she figured it out in the moment. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's very much the the five-year-old that lets the secret out of the bag early. (laughs) Yeah. And Heather goes, okay, Monica, now tell them why there's like a little tiny skull. And Monica goes, because we're all going home to hell. (laughs) To the devil's triangle where we all belong. And then Monica then just starts crying again. Heather goes, are you okay? Monica's just like, I feel done. Like, I feel spent. Heather's like, so we're not going on the trip then? Uh, and it was, again, it's, again, this is, 
this is mother upset that things aren't going well on vacation. It's 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 entirely that vibe from Heather. If you so we're just not going on the trip. If you don't calm down and eat your Mickey Mouse pancakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the happiest place on earth, and we're gonna have fun. <laughs> you are ruining it for everyone, Monica. <laughs> Monica goes. I don't think it's a good idea for me to go. Heather is like. Well, I mean, we planned it around, like, you and, like, Bermuda and your family. And Monica goes, yeah, like, it's just like that was a very different – and Heather goes, this is just, like, a totally different energy. Like, you were attacking her, like, full force, and now you're crying and acting like we came for you? Because you did. <laughs> Heather doesn't – it was it was so strange for Heather. Like, it was, like – even, like, in the past, like, when Heather's had these moments, it's never been like this, where it's just, like, so jarring. like. Oh, my God. Uh, and then Monica says her confessional. I always really wondered why Jen never had anything nice to say about Heather and Lisa. And now I know exactly why. <laughs> but, I mean, but also Jen wasn't correct either. <laughs> yeah. Jen, Jen's not a good source of information. And then Heather going, where is that Monica? And Monica goes, y'all killed her real quick. She's dead. Like Taylor Swift said. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yay, confirm Swifty, Monica. <laughs> and then also Heather's face. Heather, she's done this face before where she just goes, and she like scrunches up her face like, mm, like what? Like, it was, it was, it was very odd. And I'm, it, I'm interested for this Bermuda trip because like, it's going to be, I feel a complete fucking mess. Just like this show usually is. Can I just mention, it's occurred to me that every time they leave the table, and go stand in the grassy bit, literally like four feet away from the table where oh, everyone yeah, yeah. is. Like, why are you walking away to have this <laughs> conversation? It reminds me of um, uh, on IMHO, uh, In My Homosexual Opinion, which Love is a, a YouTube podcast uh, with drag queens. Uh, talking about drag race. It's fabulous. Anyway, go, go, go watch them. You'll love it. Um, but every time that they do the can I see you over here? And they just lean back a little bit and have a conversation <laughs> that's, that's supposed to be quote unquote off screen. Yeah. It's so <laughs> odd. It's, it's like, what are you doing? We, we can all hear you. It's like, guys, the camera cords can only go so far. Um, <laughs> we, we need to keep this at a, you know, the lighting's real bad over there. Can you step forward a little bit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh God. But that was Salt Lake city for the week. Um, let's move on to Beverly Hills and oh boy, Beverly Hills for this week. Yeah, oh, I'm just going to say it. I'm team Sutton. I'm going to lay that out. And if it makes me sound like a, a Stan, fine. I think, well, you won't be alone because I am right there with you. Cause we, and, but we will make our argument. And if anyone wants to be a, a fellow Slutton and have your talking points, listen to us, we'll give them to you. <laughs> Cause yeah, I, this episode I, I'm done with Kyle. I, I'm not done with her, but like Kyle, I'm I cannot feel sympathy for Kyle in this None. whole Sutton stuff. Um, and that's not even going to like the bonus clips that like we saw for next week, which we'll get to next week because oh, I haven't even seen those. Oh, I showed you one of them. Of, of, I've slept since then and had turkey, sure, so that's um, fair. So my, my brain is no longer functioning. I don't remember seeing them. That's fine. You'll be <laughs> you'll be angry all over again when we watch it. Yay! <laughs> Um, we come back to Sutton's kitchen where Kyle and Sutton are having the conversation after the Naimum. Naimum. Also, that sounds like a fabulous television show, Sutton's Kitchen. Sutton's Kitchen. I'd watch the fuck out of that. Yeah, uh, yeah I agree. Um, Sutton's it's like. Just her getting drunk in the kitchen and eating Popeyes. 
<laughs> Sutton tells Kyle, I feel like your reaction's a lot. And Kyle's like, I am. Like, I'm, I'm heated right now. And Sutton's going, you seem unhinged. <laughs> like, like being like, fuck you for calling me unhinged. Well, yeah. Kyle goes, what's going on? And, like, does this, like, wave hand motion with, like, basically Real all... close to her face. Yeah. And Sutton goes, there's nothing going on. And, like, mimics her. Sutton goes, there's nothing going on. What's going on with you? And Kyle goes, what's going on with me? And Sutton goes, I don't know. <laughs> so, and this gets played up later, but it was just so, like, I, I didn't I didn't think it was as big as Kyle was making it. But Sutton says to her confessional, what's going on with you, Kyle? Because you never talk about you. Your life is perfect. You live in a fortress on top of a very high pedestal. Yeah. And... And there's this discussion later about, like, I saw some people being like, what is Sutton talking about? Like, Kyle lays her shit out there. Like, we know all about Kyle's life from the 13 seasons. And I think we know, here's the thing. I think we know a lot about Kyle's life, but I would also argue that a lot of it is surface. And and what Kyle tells us is not always the most open. It is very carefully curated. Right. It typically also has to be brought out in, like, high-stress moments, like in the limousine the first season. Right. Like, and and that's also not even Kyle's shit. That's other people's shit. Well, she tends to do that. Right. The drama is never hers. It is, you know, tangentially hers, in, but it's really someone else's. Right. Kyle goes, well, I'm going to head out. Um, I hope you're well. And Sutton goes, I am well. <laughs> and Kyle's like, and we'll talk tomorrow. And just and Kyle's like, Sutton's like, I can sell you out. <laughs> Sutton really, it really didn't even register. I mean... We'll talk to it later when when Kyle talks about how crazy it was. It was a little crazy, but like Sutton, it doesn't even really register that this was like a like crazy conversation. I think she does because when she's talking to Garcelle about it later, sure, kind she, of. She relays she was there for twenty minutes. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it was like when she said that, I was like, oh shit! So we got pretty much the whole conversation. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we go then to Erica's house and she's calling her mom, Renee, who's coming into town to stay with Erica for like some visit visiting time. <laughs> oh Lord. I love Renee on the phone. Being like, so I have three bags and Erica goes, and like, you have three bags. Like how long are you planning on staying? And Renee goes, I mean, for a couple years, and Erica goes, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, er- and, I will say I sympathize at times with Eric. I mean, I sure I don't have the same dynamic with my mother. My mother's and I's dynamic is much better. But she talks about like, so yeah, like she visits me once a year for a couple of days, and then we start to get on each other's nerves. So and like she and I love her comment also in the confessional of my mother and I are very close in age. <laughs> I didn't know, for some reason I didn't realize her mother and her were strained. Did she talk about this in, like, past seasons when we saw her mother? I feel like maybe a little bit. I felt, I don't know. I I feel like it's not that the relationship is strained. It's that the relationship is distant. Sure. She says that sometimes she felt more like a sibling necessarily than a mother-daughter relationship. And, I mean, I can understand that also when Erica gets thrusted into this, like, you know, you're dating this much older person. Now you're super wealthy. And now not only are you being picked up by this now, assumedly you're, fa- you're also picking up your family. Right. Right. Like there's sort of a expectation in that regard. 
Um, but so, yeah, so that's kind of the dynamic of how things are laying out. And also basically they confirm that they're sleeping in the same bed because, and, and seeing, I don't know, we've seen inside Erica's new house, like lately, but like, it's like a room and a bedroom and a kitchen and a kitchen and a bathroom. I didn't realize how tight it was. And I'm not, and don't get me wrong. You're still, it's still a property in Beverly Hills. It's not like chump change. Yes. But I, I fully believe that like. Like, you know, like, James Kennedy has a new house. It's bigger than Erica's. Probably. Erica's is smaller than even... It's a bungalow. Yeah. Like, it's it's even smaller than, like, what um, uh, Brandy was dealing with when she was first on the show. Right. Like, it's a small house. It's like a pool house almost. It's small. Yeah. Um, we go over to Garcelle's house, though, and uh, Jade is cooking, and so they're they're cooking together. Um, Garcelle talks to her confessional. Sometimes I feel Jade is, like, my boyfriend because he's very protective. Jade doesn't challenge me as much as Jax does, and sort of talking about, like, the difference between the sons. I love uh, people being like, okay, but you got to find yourself a man because, like... Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they bring, Garcelle brings up the conversation that happened at the beach and Garcelle's like, I mean, like, he, you know, Jack's like, he hurt my feelings, obviously. And Jade goes, he did. <laughs> I love how, like, she's like, oh, he's very protective of me. Also, he had no clue that, like. No, there. there's no way he didn't know because he felt very awkward in the moment. You could see he felt awkward in the moment. Yeah. Um, Jade's like, because J- Garcelle asked Jade, like, you know, he said he wanted, like, more freedom and stuff like that. Is there more that you would want in that regard? Jade goes, you know what kind of freedom I want? You know, you should let Ashlyn sleep over, the new girlfriend that he's, like, with. And she goes, no way. I couldn't even date when I was 15. And he goes, like, but yeah, but you, like, came from Haiti. So, <laughs> and it's like, no, that's not, like, I, I'm i all for, like, like, they seem very mature. Like, I agree. You don't let it child's girlfriend no, sleep over at 15 absolutely not i feel like that's crazy talk um but i did love the story that like garcelle lays out of like when she was with a boy like at, at around like the same age and her dad like having that high speed chase with her with the boy in the car and her having to like dump him out at one point oh yeah <laughs> like she yeah i and garcelle does keep making the point about like you know wanting a personal relationship that she didn't necessarily have in her family and sort of not having that sort of stricter dynamic that gets instilled in you from people in like her generation. Right. I think, I think there's a balance. (laughs) Like, I I think she might want be wanting to like overcorrect in many ways in terms of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, there, there's a, there's a difference between gentle parenting and permissive parenting. Right. And it's like you just don't you you don't need to be a pushover for your kids. Yeah, which yeah. I don't think she is. I think she's afraid that she is. It's like, no, you're doing fine. Yeah, exactly. Um she's getting ready also for the screening of her new movie that she's uh directing and starring in uh called Black Girl Missing. Um, which is, is about sort of like, it t- del- delves into the topic of how black girl, young black girls going missing, you become sort of underreported and underappreciated uh, mm-hmm. and doesn't get the same respect and time put into it. Um, and she tells Jade, you know, you know, you can invite people or whatever. Gar- Garcelle says, all the ladies are going to be there. And Jade goes, which ones do I avoid? Which ones do we like? <laughs> and you were like, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. I appreciate how in those moments, when we'll see it later, her sons have her back in those moments. Yeah. I really appreciate. 
Um, we then go to Crystal's house and she's having dinner with the family. Um, we find out that Rob apparently went to China with uh, Crystal's brother, Jeff. He, she says it was because they have property in China as well or whatever, which got like, God, the fucking, uh, the wealth porn on these shows we love, but like sometimes like Jesus Christ. like But like, don't tell us, show us. I want to see this house. Yeah. <laughs> like even if it's just your, your husband giving a house tour for a little bit, because I, I understand China's very strict on like, like people coming in and filming and those sorts of things. So like, I understand that. Right. But like he had a phone. <laughs> um, and then Crystal also said that uh, her brother, Jeff, like texted her that he was going to go see uh, his ex fiance that Crystal had talked about uh, in mm-hmm. previous episodes. She lays the story out again about like, it was because of COVID and Crystal wanted him to come back home. And that's why they broke up essentially. I will say, I was glad that Crystal kind of, owned the fact that her and her family forced him to leave China. Sure. And that's why this was an issue. And she was like, I feel guilty over that. I was like, good, you should. That was kind of fucked up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm glad that you could acknowledge that, Crystal. Thank you. Uh, she asked Rob about how, like, Jeff was feeling. And he's like, yeah, he's not moved on. You know, that's really the truth of it. He thinks that he has, but he hasn't. And Crystal goes, well, and that's why he won't share with me, you know, because he's mad at me. Like, she's convinced that, like, he, blame, that he blames her. As he should. <laughs> Rob goes, he should have said no. The fact that he didn't was because he was more worried about what you guys thought. And Crystal's like, but that's like the Chinese way. Like that's the, the yeah. way the Chinese, you know, culture operates in many regards. It's very, very family centric. And you just, you follow what the elders tell you to do. Right. And then Rob's like, he wants to start his own family. And because of that, he has to like break away. And then Rob goes, maybe this is about you. Maybe it's not about Jeff. And then Crystal's face going <gasps> like upset with Rob. Leg gasp. <laughs> Rob goes, I feel like you're competitive with Vivi over who has the primary relationship. And Crystal goes, whoever asked you your fucking opinion? <laughs> uh, you did. Three seconds ago. <laughs> she says in her confessional that Rob doesn't know what he's talking about. That he, she just knows what's best for her brother. Like, and so, but Rob nailed it on the head. Yeah. Good I, job, Rob. I love that. I love seeing like these moments with Crystal that are a little more like not villainous because it's not villainry, but it's like, oh, you have flaws and you're not willing to own them. Right. Well, uh, but I also think that it's, like, feigned not willing to own them. I think she is willing to own them, but it's just, like, how dare you call me out on what I'm clearly aware of are my faults. Right. <laughs> um, Crystal then FaceTimes her brother, Jeff. She's like, oh, my God, have you been, like, crying? And I love how Rob just cuts to the chase. He goes, yeah, Jeff, like, I think this is a great time for uh, Crystal to tell you how she feels. Like, Crystal's feeling some regret. Like, she's <laughs> For Crystal to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you. Yeah, because he's like, I'm getting it out there. But he gets too emotional or whatever, so they hang up the phone and, you know, kind of move on. Um, We then go to Sutton, who's with Jennifer Tilly, uh, and they're going to the stables to visit Sutton's new horse, Santos, that she bought. Um, I love Sutton telling the story of buying Santos. Like, I was with my manicure pedicure lady, and she had a horse. And I thought, I want a horse, too. Just and then and then to have that sort of instinctual will, just out of whim, to put down forty seven thousand dollars to get a fucking horse. I just, I was so flabbergasted, but also like I'm really glad that we're getting back to the put the dollar amount on the screen. Yeah, yeah, again. yeah. Because we haven't done that in a long time on Housewives. 
And it's only for certain franchises. Like yeah. Miami does it later. We'll get to Miami. But definitely the ones like Jersey and stuff like that. Like, no one cares. No, like, nobody cares. You paid $3 for that knockoff. <laughs> Jackie is given uh, name brand pizza to their kids for her their birthday parties. <laughs> we put wealth out the fucking window. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're feeding Santos like a carrot. And like Jennifer and Sutton are like flaunting over Santos. And Santos just like spitting up on them. Like almost like puking. <laughs> I was like, I have never seen a horse puke. I never want to see it again. Thanks. Jennifer was like, oh, God, okay. <laughs> Sutton jokes in their commercial. This is the best first date I've been on in years. Except for I don't get to ride him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, they sit down to sort of have lunch. And Jennifer goes like, I'm so glad to get to see you and have like happy Sutton time. And Sutton goes, if only everyone felt that way. <laughs> and then talks about like what happened. Sutton then goes, I love Kyle. We've been really good friends. And Jennifer goes, she's been really kind to you. And I'm like, kind moments that Kyle's had the Sutton? Name them. Name Name them. Where has she been kind? Like, maybe off camera. But, like, I... that's the other thing it's just with this like Kyle Sutton stuff where it's just like I never seen their friendship I never understood it I never like grasped it in any way because it just seemed like Kyle was an asshole to her yeah it's so yeah it's just so surface there was literally no conflict where Kyle was on Sutton's side never like name the moment name the moment anyone genuinely who are like Kyle fans in this whole thing listening name the moment name it when Kyle stuck up for Sutton Ever on this show. The only thing that you could consider might be like under the friendship umbrella and bitch, it's on the edge is Kyle renting her old house to Sutton. But that's not, but Kyle was getting paid for that. Right. That's why I'm like, it's on the edge. Ugh. I'm glad she burnt her fireplace. I don't care. <laughs> um, Sutton says, she said, is there something going on with you? And I said, no, is there something going on with you? And I don't think it's just me. She's gotten very thin. We were on vacation and she's going to the gym for like three hours. Her eating's different. She's not drinking. And I haven't seen her wedding band. I just don't know. And like I saw, I had a discussion with someone on Twitter about like the, because you had brought up like, it's kind of weird that they keep harping on like, why is she not drinking anymore? Because the issue is not the questioning of why she's not drinking. That's fine. Right. It's the... I miss the old Kyle when you were drinking. It's the, when is this going to be over? Like, you need yeah, to yeah, stop yeah. doing this. My my thing, though, is that, and I, I forgot about it at the time, but I, I remembered back. I remember when, like, the photos of Kyle were also coming out at the time from, like, I remember, like, the photos specifically from Vegas were being posted out. And I remember a lot of people thinking that Kyle looked way too thin. Yeah. Like, the, like it was almost, like, kind of scary. And we're, we weren't sure what's happening. So I feel like it's in part a response to that. Like it's just that they seem to latch on to the not drinking thing. Cause yeah. I think it's more evident and more impactful in the group. Right. Cause you're but, always in that environment, but how it comes off is how dare you not be drinking? This is impacting our fun. Right. Sutton's like, I just feel like when there's all these numbers and then they do like this math equation of like all her, like Kyle's like problems and hangups. When you have all these numbers, it adds up to something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but Jennifer tells her basically like, you know, it could be a thing where it's like it's really typical for people to like regain control in their life that they do these like really drastic things to like sort of, you mm-hmm. know, it feels like 
from a lack of control in certain regards. And that's probably what it is, whether it's the marriage or Kathy or whatever, you know, and there could be good results out of that, but it's still like jarring, you know? Yeah. Um, we go to Erica back at her house and she's having tea with her mom. I love Erica being like, you didn't wash the fucking dishes. And Renee goes, well, no, <laughs> I did it. I'm on vacation. This is your house. You clean them. Well, and she goes, I thought Belle would be coming. And Erica goes, Belle comes once a week. That's all I can afford now. But, but also it's like, can you, again, rich people problems. It's like, you can afford a housekeeper once a week. I would love that. That'd be lovely. <laughs> like, like for a couple hours, like give, yeah. for, for 30 minutes. Like, um, you know, and Erica's like, yeah, it's usually good. And then after 24 hours, we just start picking on each other. And it says like 31 hours at this point. So it's like, yeah. Um, Renee talks about, uh, going to New York for Erica when she was in Broadway. Uh, and she's like, I'm glad that I got to see your show. And Erica goes, me too. Even though you didn't tell me that you were coming and we were not in the best place personally. And it was somewhat of an ambush. <laughs> <laughs> and the faces that she keeps making, like Erica, was very like on like edge. You could tell. Um, cause apparently they weren't talking at that point in which yeah. the, which Chicago was happening and she just showed up, um, randomly. Um, they argue about like what led to them not speaking. She was like, you were on the phone call making it about yourself. And, and, uh, Renee goes, no, you hung up the phone on me because I asked you a question that had to do with Tom and you didn't like that. I asked that question. And so you hung up on me and then, and then, so it kind of, again, I am, I'm so interested also in the Tom timeline right. of like where things place. Cause then Renee goes, how many times did you go over to that firm in the 20 years? And Erica goes, stop. We got, we got to stop that line of conversation. Cause she's like, I can't say it. About, like mom, we're filming. Like, like if I say something, it's going to fucking incriminate me essentially. Yeah. Um, but like, but I also think that it's very much a situation of her, her fighting with her mom may have been what, pointed erica in the direction of questioning things well that's my question i would have a question for renee which is like when did you think things were weird when did you think that something was up when did you have questions well because if if i remember the timeline correctly chicago happened tom was still mostly okay at that point right chicago happened he never went to go see her she came back angry, and that was in the, in winter, and that was when he had the wreck, and did all and was had the, all of that stuff happen right after Chicago. Oh, I thought the wreck was before that. No, I thought it was after. Because the no 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 the wreck had to the wreck had to have been before that if it was in sorry if it was the cause of like the dementia stuff because remember the no no, no. it was the it was an exacerbation of the dementia or stuff or maybe that cuz he was having dementia beforehand because if we're to be believed because of that dinner party that Erica had where he was like telling them stories or whatever and uh -huh. stuff like that that dinner party was before she got went and did Chicago to compare it to my only experience like firsthand experience right, with right, dementia right. To compare it to how my grandmother deteriorated, she, like, looking back at it from this side of things, I can see that she was deteriorating before mm -hmm. she had her accident and was in the hospital. But then she was in a car wreck, broke her hip, was in the hospital, 
and she was in the hospital for a long time, ended up with sundown syndrome that just developed into full dementia. Right. And it, it, we realize now that it was, it made everything worse that was already there. Yeah. Because she was already like having these weird slips, but it, they were very much more far in between. And she was always ditzy. Yeah. Like that was just always her. But she, there was all, there was moments sprinkled in where you're like, Mm, what's that? And but the, that's what even the women brought up about that dinner party later, which was like I at the time thought it was normal and cognizant, but then I had like friends tell me like, no, this is like you could tell certain things about this conversation or like early signs. Yeah. So it's like I think I don't know. I I would be again. I would love to get go Erica to go more in depth with that. And I don't think she really has the freedom to do that. Still, sure. Um, I think that give her like five or 10 years, let Tom die off yeah, and let there be distance between her and all of this bullshit. And she'll give us a tell all. Oh yeah. She's definitely going to like, <laughs> like, but like, like, I, I personally feel like she's probably just giving us the most generous version of the truth as she knows it. Sure. Yeah, probably. I, I think it's mostly true with some, like, window dressing and things like that to, like, tidy things up. Yeah. Erica goes, I love seeing my mom, and I'm grateful that she sees me, and I'm grateful that she's leaving, and I'm dropping her off in the valley. <laughs> and <laughs> Which so, I get. And the scene ends with, like, because Renee goes off, and Erica's, like, head is in her hands at the table being like, oh, my God. Like, this was- <laughs> yeah i've been there <laughs> so uh dorit then facetimes kyle as everyone's getting ready for the um garcelle's uh screening dorit goes to tells kyle you're doing your makeup yourself and kyle goes i mean it's just like a screening right and dorit goes i mean there's a red carpet there's a step and repeat remember that for remember later. that i'm sorry like just remember that that that, that that's what dorit says dorit knows there's a red carpet she knows there's a step and repeat just saying We'll get to it. Little mental note. Little just. Little. I'm going to go off on Dorit, and I'm, and it may be a lot, but sorry. <laughs> Kyle then der- tells Dorit about the strange visit she has had with Sutton. Basically, she's like, she thinks that Erica set up the elevator doors opening, and Dorit goes, "Oh my god, I don't think it's that crazy." I'm sorry. Like it, maybe she didn't. Erica didn't set it up, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I also don't think she did because it would have required some very precise timing to make sure that they were the ones that were on that elevator that then stopped on their floor. Right. Because if they got on the wrong, if they got on the elevator and missed and got past their floor before they hit the button it would have all gone but then you could have just met them at the bottom and done the same thing sure but it's just like it it seemed like i feel like technically it's possible but it's like it's very unlikely i just feel like erica would be the one to do that like like she would no kyle would be the one to do that well kyle is much more orchestrated and and planning of that bullshit than Erica is. Yeah. Erica took advantage of the happy happenstance. Absolutely. But I don't think 
I, I think the jury's out. Um, Kyle uh, then like mimics to Dorit like Sutton's impression of Erica that she did, which she's like, Sutton, now's your chance. And that's the like big like, which it's, it was it was a lot. Don't get me wrong, it, it wasn't as maybe as much as Kyle did, but it wasn't too far off. It was fabulous. <laughs> but, but the one thing I do think Kyle kind of overemphasizes. Kyle then goes, I said what's I said what's going on with you, and she goes, What's going on with me? What's going on with you? Like she did, like it, she was the Joker. Yeah, and it's like that's not really how Sutton delivered it. And Dory goes, "That feels like a threat, Kyle." But even if exactly how Kyle delivered it was true, what part of that is a threat? Yeah. Well, because Kyle goes, "Oh, it was," and I knew immediately she was talking about all the rumors that were out there. It's like that. That that just t- like and. Sutton does have suspicions, don't get me wrong, but like she didn't let that on. That that speaks to you, Kyle, that you're that you have the rumors in your head about Talk about being a narcissist. Yeah. Oh, speaking of narcissism, this was my favorite scene of the episode, by the way. So Dorit, because Dorit and Sutton are riding in the same car, right? Uh-huh. So Dorit pulls up to Sutton's house, but Sutton is in her outfit, which actually I think it's one of the best looks that Sutton's had. Like Sutton's, it was cute. Sutton's looks can be hit or miss, but she's just taking photos around her house because she talks about like, you know, social media is like really important now because uh, it, with my shop and, you know, getting right. stuff out there. So I hired Dimitri, my photographer, to like take photos of me. So she's spending all this time as Dorit is waiting in the car, like getting her photos taken in the house and Dorit just going, can you believe she's not ready? I'm parking outside waiting this whole time. And I'm I, like, I'm sorry. Wasn't Dorit the one? Also, I am mixing up my accents. I am so sorry. That was the... Dorit is not suddenly Southern. Wasn't Dorit the? But she would be because she just throws she's a on children... an... she's a child of the world. She throws on an accent like it's a cardigan. Yeah. Um. But wouldn't isn't Dorit the one that was not only late but just didn't show up to the workout thing <laughs> because she had done glam and was doing a photo shoot for social media. Dorit always does this she like for her to be so upset at Sutton for this Sutton was just giving her a taste of her own medicine and it's that's what was so satisfying about I, it I know all these women have a lot of money but this was the richest thing I fucking seen yeah <laughs> um so uh Garcelle arrives at the screening and they give her like the tour of like the you know the stuff and all that stuff um did you know I don't know if you picked up on it but they show a shot of the bar at one point and it feels like they really made a point to hone in on the 818 tequila that was behind the bar. <laughs> I'm sure Rena was happy about that with her friend, uh, uh, Kylie Jenner. <laughs> oh, Rena was not there. Sure. Cause fuck her. Yeah. Um, there, but Sutton and Dorit are riding to the place in the car. Sutton goes, I talked to Garcelle and, and there's like a hundred people coming. I'm sure that's like herding cats. Crazy. And Dorit goes, wow. And like, uh, Dorit then goes, I was under the impression that Garcelle was having a very intimate screening. If I'm not prepared mentally and emotionally, it triggers me. And I'm like, this is such bullshit. I am so sorry. Like, I, I uh, call me like, uh, you know, cancel me now. I am going to question Dorit's PTSD. I'm questioning Dorit's PTSD now. I'm sorry. This, there's nothing consistent about it. And I get that certain times it's not PTSD. It's not always consistent. 
But it seems to be at only events that Sutton and Garcelle are doing that her PTSD yep. gets suddenly triggered because she has to be in front of a step and repeat and around like multiple people. Yeah, it, it's definitely a case of step and repeat the bullshit. Yeah. Because I, I just can't. She did this at She did Sutton's, this last year. She did this at Sutton's store opening. Like when And you, you you just came from Magic Mike. You just came from Las Vegas where there were hundreds of people around you and you had no fucking issue. And she makes the point, well, I was prepared for it. Again, you knew it was a movie screening. You knew there was a red carpet and a step and repeat. What did you think? There was going to be 10 people there? Yeah, that's not how events with red carpets and step and repeats work. It's just like, my God, it just feels so ridiculous also i've been to office christmas parties with more people than a hundred people it's like what are you talking about right this is nothing shut the fuck up sit the fuck down stop making it about you yeah and she's dorit just goes i feel really uncomfortable in crowds at least i would prepare myself you know you know what i mean and then she's like she's gonna be upset with like fucking garcelle over this um guests then start arriving to the screening we see jerry o'connell we see Rachel Lindsay there. Uh, Larsa Pippen shows up and says hi to Garcelle. And, I'm, and Larsa goes, hey, you know my friend Gertie has cancer. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but could you imagine? Could you imagine? Absolutely, I could. But uh, there's, there's no way that Larsa would be there because Larsa is still in with the Kardashians who are connected to Rena, And so right. therefore she's very much probably not on the Garcelle train. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so, but so Dorit and Sutton are literally walking arm in arm with each other, like going into the place. And Dorit goes, I get a little jumpy, you know, around a lot of people. And I was like, this feels familiar. Why does this feel familiar? Oh, it feels really familiar to when Lisa had Lisa Rinna had her event for her daughter's modeling thing or whatever, and Sutton didn't realize where they were going to and that it was going to be a surprise, and so she whispers to Dorit, "I'm going to like freak out about you know because I don't like surprises like that." And then Dorit put all of her shit out at the table about how you were like, "I'm going to freak the fuck out," and like embarrass Sutton in front of the whole group. Notice how Sutton didn't do that here, and very easily could have done that. Mm-hmm. And made it a bigger fucking deal. Also, that was one of Kyle's points in the name em fight. And she literally didn't freak out. She literally just was warning her friend yeah. that, hey, I may have some mental health issues coming up. I want you to be aware of that so that if that happens, you don't also freak out. Right. So that you can be there to support me like a friend. Right. Uh, Sutton Air Confessional. I know Dorit is still dealing with her PTSD. I had no idea it was this bad still. We're just going in to watch a movie. I mean, about a girl that gets kidnapped and um uh, goes missing. But other than that, it should be fun. It's like, <laughs> but that's the oldest, but like, son's joking. But that, I was like, but that's also a good point. Because Dorit's not triggered by the movie at all, which is literally a, like, at one point, Garcelle gets like dragged by her hair by some like clearly like intruder or something like that. Oh, so you mean that she actually had a home invasion in the movie and that didn't trigger the PTSD? That's just odd. Like, it's like to me, like, but then that doesn't trigger her. But Garcelle's saying hi to Dorit. And then, like, someone just, like, walks by them and Dorit goes, ah, and, like, freaks out and, like, has to, like, clutch her pearls. It's like, what are you doing? This doesn't feel real. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to the community of people, but I feel like this doesn't make sense 
at all. It doesn't. And I'm starting to not think that it was just PK involved in this whole scheme. I was willing to give her so much leeway. I mean, I also have PTSD. And, like, I I, so I was willing to give her all the space, Right. right? But she's just, like, egregious. Because, again, if it was an issue with PTSD with a home invasion... Watching a home invasion on screen would be incredibly triggering for her. But the issue is, is there would be no cameras on her when that happened. And just, yeah, it just feels like looking to pick a fight and and have an issue. Um, We then see, so Jax is talking with a bunch of people and tells Crystal, like, yeah, I see that, like, Erica's over there. You know, maybe it would be a good idea to talk to her. Can you be, like, my wingman or whatever? And ask Crystal to join uh, him. Um, Crystal says in her confessional, I'm really proud that Jax wants to approach Erica. Vegas showed me a side of Erica that's more open, and I want to make an effort to make other people see her in a better light. So, and I did like other people pointing out the sort of, like, meta-ness of, like, Crystal was the one pulling Jax away when Erica was telling him to get the fuck out. And now he she's, like, helping him, like... Well, but it's also a little opposite from last season because last season Sutton or it wasn't Sutton for the first time that was calling Erica out it was Crystal right Crystal was one the one that was pushing the thing with the earrings so like to have Crystal be the one to turn around and go no people need to see this side of Erica if she's making an effort then that needs to be seen and acknowledged yeah and that to me makes me really feel like crystal is as even if i don't agree with her always it rings true like it it makes her ring genuine to me i agree um jack says hi to erica he's like you know with everything that happened last year i just want you to know that everything's okay and erica apologizes says that she was out of line you know it it was wrong for her erica then says her confessional you know what a class act this man is and and says garcelle you've done a beautiful job which i do think i felt was genuine and a good i felt so too bit of growth uh, Jax tells Garcelle about this, and Garcelle's happy that they made up. Garcelle does say in her confessional, I wish Erica had been the one to approach Jax because she is the adult, but I'm glad that Jax felt confident enough to go talk to her. And I and I, I saw a lot of people being, and I agree, it was like, oh, but just like give, like have this, let this moment be happy. I but disagree I, with Garcelle here. I, I mean, yeah. I think that because Erica put him in a, in a situation where he was very uncomfortable, it would have been inappropriate for her to then approach him. Right. I think that if she were to approach him, it would have needed to be with Garcelle so that Jax felt comfortable. Yeah. And I think Garcelle didn't really see how it played out, at least in the confessional, to where that it was sort of Jax's instinct to do that. Right. To where I think she would have maybe looked at it differently in that regard. Um, Yeah. That's just what I think. But so Garcelle welcomes everyone to the screening and they show the movie. There's the movie. But as the movie's playing, perfect timing as the movie's playing, we then see Denise show up. Which, according to reports, nobody on production knew about. Literally, everyone was like, get a mic on her now. Like, hurry. Like, I don't think she's mic'd in the early part. Like, when she's hugging Garcelle, I don't think no, she's mic'd. No, she's not. Um, she goes, like, Garcelle, the look on Garcelle's face is very shocked. <laughs> like, even though I think she invited Denise, but I, she invited Denise, like, for something, like, last year, and she didn't come. So. Yeah, I think it was very much a, I'm going to invite her because it's the right thing to do and because I love her, and if she's comfortable coming, I'd love to see her. 
But because we're going to be filming, I don't think she'll be there because she made it very clear she did not want to be involved in the show anymore. Yeah. And Dorit, and later after they finish, like, she's saying, like, hi to Dorit and, like, hi to Erica. It's definitely very light stuff. Well, I th- From what I know, from, like, l- not leaks, but, like, hearing stuff, next week's dinner party, I think it's going to get, we're going to get much more of Denise in that mm-hmm. regard. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, well, but we're also not just getting Denise at that dinner party. And Camille. And Camille. I, I'm i excited. That dinner party is going to be horrific. Yeah. <laughs> I'm popping popcorn. Um, Sutton goes over to sit down with Kyle where Kyle's sitting. Kyle goes, how are you? And Sutton goes, I'm good. Kyle goes, are you? Kyle's already starting with me. Um, Sutton wants to talk and Kyle goes, I mean, like, it wasn't easy to talk to you that night. Like, you were so aggressive and just, like, not nice. Um, <laughs> which... Uh, I guess, in a way, like, sure. But then Sutton goes, you're already doing it right now. Like, like she's she's upset about, like, this sort of, like, attack words and, and all that. Kyle goes, I'm sitting here minding my business. You just came up to talk to me. I'm going to tell you how I feel. Do you want the truth or do you want me to lie to you? And Sutton goes, I was very calm. <laughs> no, you were but that's okay. I, I'm gonna I, will say, I will say that she wasn't aggressive. She was firm. But yeah. she wasn't aggressive. She was there was little, nothing aggressive about what Sutton was doing. And she was a little kooky. But sure, but that's Sutton. Yeah. Kyle goes, you were odd. And Sutton goes, you're not going to say you were odd. And Kyle goes, I will say it if that's what I think. Like, but so here's, she makes such the point here. We'll get to it later. Just know that Kyle's making such the point of like, I'm a friend to you. You can't expect to have a friendship with me if you don't allow me to say what I think in this moment. I'm not going to sugarcoat shit with you basically just keep that in mind which is frustrating because to me this echoes very much the conversation that she had with mo in the first episode about the tattoos right it's the same energy right exactly and it's the same script because on the surface if you're just looking at it on the surface right kyle is making the argument that is correct right, right. the words are right and if you don't dig into it it seems like Kyle is in the right. But the second you put any critical thinking into the situation surrounding the conversation in both of those situations, you can tell she's full of bullshit. But also she's just like, I'm communicating. Like she, she phrases it as if she's like, this is just communication. Like this is healthy communication. And it's really not healthy communication in my it's opinion, not. because there is such a, to me, like, there is an attitude to when Kyle's like delivering this stuff that is not like, like you can tell the truth to somebody while also telling it in a way that values them. And, and Sutton hits on that later where it's just like, I don't feel like you value her. I think you're, you're saying shit to try to get a one up on her. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's about winning. It's not about helping your friend. Sutton goes, Kyle's supposed to be my friend. You're using words that you know will cut me to the core. And then <laughs> some seconds pass, and Sutton Air Professional goes, Take your hat off. <laughs> I love that she's just like, I'm sick of the hats. Like, God damn it. Um, Sutton goes, Maybe I think something's off with you. And Kyle goes, Go ahead. You want to throw it out there the other night like you're such a good friend would do? Then say something. Kyle or Sutton goes, as a friend, can I not ask you? And Kyle goes, you are so full of shit. (laughs) Like, oh my God. Sutton goes, there seems to be sometimes a lack of, and I'm being really truthful here. And then Kyle, Kyle's like nodding and smirking. Like, "Mm mm-hmm. Like at that point, I was like so triggered by that. Cause it was just like, this is what Sutton is talking about. You are like, 
it doesn't feel you're not listening and you're just like yeah she's waiting for something to pounce on yeah she says there seems to be sometimes a lack of respect and then Sutton goes like you treat me like a little sister and Kyle goes I definitely don't treat you like a little sister don't flatter yourself which again is just so nasty like it's just like Again, so unnecessary. And then Sutton, but Sutton, at this from this point on, Sutton gets Kyle good. Like when she brings up the sister thing, which I think is also very accurate, because I think this is how she treats Kim and and yeah. others. Uh, Sutton goes, "Excuse me, these are my feelings," which is like if you're going to say like you feel a certain way, so you need to let me say it. Then if I have certain feelings, you need to let me express them, right? And be open to them. So. If we're going to be equal, let's be equal. And then Sutton goes, I don't know if you're mad at me about, like, the Kathy thing. Like, maybe you are. And Kyle goes, that hasn't even registered with me. Like, I don't care about that. And I'm like, you are lying. That's a that's just an outright lie. You said in the first episode that you didn't like that Sutton didn't defend you at the reunion. And that you think the reason she didn't do it is because she wants to be ingratiated with Kathy and go to her parties. Exactly. You literally said that verbatim. And you can't act in this moment that the Kathy thing has nothing to do with it. So who, so then who is really being honest, Kyle? Not Kyle. It's so bad. Uh, Sutton goes, she's lying. If I had a sister and someone was friends with my sister and I wasn't friends with my sister, I would care. And then she says, if she admits that she's angry with me for being friends with Kathy, that means she doesn't like Kathy. Right. And so that's why she's not saying in this moment. And Sutton goes, this is a love triangle gone awry. (laughs) (laughs) But like at that point, I'm like, get her Sutton. Like again, to me, like at this point, the magic mic stuff is separate. I think that's the other thing that I, I, in the discussions online, Sutton could have been completely wrong in terms of what she did at magic mic. But this isn't the discussion about that. This is a discussion about Kyle and Sutton's friendship. Right. And at the end of the day, Sutton is correct that Kyle doesn't treat her with respect. She doesn't treat her as a valued person in which to, she treats her as another sort of like play toy in certain regards mm-hmm. to maneuver around, around society. And to me, I think it is more the case that Kyle is friends with Sutton to get to Sutton's parties more than Sutton is friends with Kathy to get into Kathy's parties. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Um, we then see Garcelle and Dorit go to the side to talk. Dorit congratulates her on the screening and everything, but they talk about what happened in Vegas. And Garcelle goes, I felt that when I shared how I was feeling, you took it to such a defensive that you weren't hearing me. Um, and then Garcelle brings up, because she brings, it's, it's one thing also we talked about in the context of like the conversation at Kyle's house where they were laughing about what Erica did. But Garcelle also brings up, you know, and I also watching it, like, you didn't really reprimand Erica in the moment. I forgot how much Dorit tried to maintain at the reunion that she reprimanded her. She didn't. She didn't. It, and, and it's fine that you didn't. Like, to, and I mean, you could say it's not fine that you didn't. But, like, I could, I've been in situations where my friend does something, like, fucking crazy and off the wall and I don't speak up because I'm scared or, or right. you know, whatever. But, like... Then say that. Don't try to act afterwards as if you, like, actively stood up against Erica. Right. And we're, like, so upset about it. Because you weren't. Um, Dorit says, I just feel like our relationship moves forward and then back. And then Garcelle goes, I mean, we were great when we were in Cannes. But, like, 
I hadn't seen the episode at that time. Like, cause they had gone for like the Bravo, like, um, like the meet and greets or like the, like, like when they send Bravo people to like represent. Oh, the network. what are those, what are those called? For first, I don't know. Anyway. Something, something. But I remember that. And Garcelle was like, it just made me feel like my kids were disregarded. Up front. Up front. There we go. Dorit goes, I should have paused and, and had a moment, you know, afterwards instead of, you know, conf- you know, taking it so personally. And then Garcelle goes, well, the thing also is like, you were like, it's been like a year and a half. Why aren't you over? And Dorit goes, no, trying to act as if she didn't say that, which I like Dorit bullshit. Like ugh. Garcelle goes, you said it. Dorit goes, well, I take it back. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, and okay. Garcelle, but Garcelle finishes by going, like, I would never say to you, you know, you had been robbed a year ago. You should be over it. Like, it's really insensitive. I'm glad that Garcelle, I'm always glad when Garcelle is like, no, I'm going to finish, like, why I'm upset. Like, right. and, and not just, because she did, like, that happened with Brenna a lot, too, where it's like, they, you barrel over me with the apology, and I don't get to fully express myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad every time she, like, makes the point to be like, well, we're still going to get to the point of forgiveness, but I'm still going to lay out why I was upset. Right. And, and so, you know, um, Garcelle, uh, Dorit apologizes. Garcelle says they're a confessional. I like Dorit. I don't think Dorit's malicious or mean. She's just sometimes in her own head. And I love that, like, in her own head is a very polite way to say that she's self-absorbed. Full of herself, yeah. But, like, that's more what it is. We then go back to Sutton and uh, Kyle. And Kyle goes, we can go back and forth and have an adult conversation and not necessarily agree. But when you say, let's talk about what's going on with you, and you're obviously talking about rumors, that's not a friend. But again, it's But like, she's not. She's talking about observable changes in your behavior. Right. That concern her. Yeah, and she says like she brings up those changes and Sutton goes, You seem different that you know than you did last year. Sutton goes, I'm not sure why Kyle can't confide in me or maybe anyone. Friends confide in one another. They give back to one another. And then she just concludes at the end of going like, this friendship is a farce. Like, it's, there's no friendship. Like, it's an acquaintance yeah. relationship where you, you, you know, like certain things about each other, but there's no actual, like, friendship there. And that's what I'm, I'm glad that they can, like, lay that out because they've been keep, they kept using the words friendship for years and I never saw it, to be honest. Um, you know, and uh, Kyle goes, well, I mean, like, I had a rough year, but, and Sutton goes, and I think that's fair. Kyle says, I don't know why anyone has, like, a problem with it. Sutton goes, I think it's a fair thing for me to say. Maybe you can go ahead and say, you can be right here, Sutton. Which it's, uh, like, again, Sutton's really good at this. She's very underhandedly really good at these fights that I don't think a lot of people give her credit for. Because Kyle was just being like... We can have a back and forth and disagree and and not agree on everything and still be friends. So when Kyle gets like defensive in these moments when Sutton's bringing up her stuff, Kyle looks like a hypocrite. Like mm-hmm. it, it's like, yeah, there's she actually handles it really masterfully. Sutton does, and I don't think it gets enough credit. Also, because I don't think it pre- like the way Sutton handles it. Is not the way that it like normally gets handled in these like housewives fights, right? Like Kyle, te- Kyle more than not looks like the winner because of the way she can get like lines in and jabs and sort right. of like be that, and that's probably why she's so focused on like that passive aggressive like smirking like sort of like smugness, yeah, because she knows it gets play online, right? But like when you actually dissect the argument, I think Sutton's always much better at doing that. Yes, like she's a much better arguer. 
Um, but that was Beverly Hills for this week. Uh, like we mentioned, the dinner party from hell part three, uh, is coming next week. That should be really fun. Um, and we've already, like I said, there have been some preview clips out. I have opinions of them. I am holding them to myself, but I will have a lot to say next week because I was ranting, <laughs> ranting. If you want to follow us on Twitter at again, is MB. I, I have some tweets about that and some posts. So yeah, um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of real housewives of Miami. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling name. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild... Like, accountability is love, and toxicity is not on the menu. To a little more spicy. Like one of my favorites, Fuck Your Laws, Fuck Your System, Transformative Justice Now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on down to Florida where the ladies are dealing with b-ball and bubble guts on Real Housewives of Miami. Oh, God. The basketball charity event uh, for Miami this week. Like this fight, that, that fight in the Sprinter Van, we'll get to it, I thought was one of the funniest things this week. It was, it was a gas. Oh, God. In more ways than one. Uh, yeah, they really turn up in Miami and they, they, they know the assignment. Um, we start uh, the episode, Larsa's, fa- Larsa's FaceTiming Adriana to invite her to the charity basketball uh, event. I love that Larsa, it's so, like, because we forget that Larsa also doesn't fuck with Adriana, like, for the most part. And it's so, like, surface, like, Larsa delivering this, like, yeah, so we're doing this thing with Make-A-Wish, and I wanted to invite you. And Adriana's like, cool. <laughs> it was so, like, there was no, like, actual, like, banter as, like, friends. And then she promptly walked over and started eating beans. <laughs> yeah. Larsa goes, no, it was corn. Corn is oh, what she corn, said. Yes. She went to see that corn musical. <laughs> oh, that, shucked. <laughs> that they had at the Macy's parade. She said, I'm going to shuck up this trip. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I love Larsa going, can you make a basket? And Adriana goes, I can actually. Cut to the basketball game, which was I, just as terrible as I thought it would be. <laughs> like, so bad like 
It's honestly, it was worse than the the charity baseball games on. Uh, oh yeah, on Jersey. Like they at least are hitting balls every once in a while. <laughs> Ain't none of these bitches made a basket. <laughs> Julia was the only one. Julia was the only but one. But that's like says something. Um, speaking of basketball, so Nicole and Anthony are going on like a date night, and they go to this basketball court. Anthony set up this um like training session to teach her how to play basketball with this NBA player, Cameron. Um, cute, cute little dynamic. <laughs> Cameron says, "Like, okay, so let's start with like some ball handling." And Anthony goes, "You're good at ball handling, Nicole." And I'm like, "I can be good at ball handling too." <laughs> Please take me on your yacht. I'll handle your balls. <laughs> I he's he, here's the thing. Both me and Merlin have agreed that he's definitely our type, but also the money doesn't hurt. Oh, the money helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, like you know, this man is rich when you when he can rent an e- NBA player. Yeah, exactly. Just rent a professional athlete. <laughs> and so Nicole is like running circles around him on the basketball court, like he can't get a shot to save his life. And I do, and also I like that he has like humility. Like it's at least it seems because yeah. he's like good news that you know no one will ever see this. <laughs> like not as if cameras are here. Yeah. Uh, so I like I really like that I. I think I said it last week. Like, I truly believe they're in love. Like, I think you can tell. Yeah. And it's not just like, you know, for the money, <laughs> you know, with them again, doesn't hurt. Because honestly, if it was for the money, she wouldn't be worried about a second child. She would be trying to get married. Right. Exactly. And that, and they talk about it here, like the uh, baby number two and sort of like the plan. She also talks about like, you know, she talks a little bit about like, um, you know, viability and stuff like that and having, um, you know, not waiting too long in terms of like um, them getting too old in that regard, but also wanting something where like her other son can have someone close enough to right. his age. Um, and so that's part of the reason where it's like, well, marriage is going to be second right now. Let's focus on this. Right. Because if it's only kids, child support is nice. But ain't nothing like that alimony payment. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. alimony payment will put you up. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be hot. <laughs> like, I I feel like she would be able to out-alimony Sutton. Oh. Sutton's getting three fifty dollars a month. Right. I feel like Nicole would get more. I could see that. I Yeah. If, he, if they're looking for $11 million yachts, like... Casually? Casually. <laughs> Just like... I I can't. I absolutely can't. Yeah. We see Julia uh, going to visit Adriana um, to rehearse Julia's song. And Adriana is also on the piano because she's going to be playing um, uh, for that. Um, Julia talks about how she's really been like struggling trying to find like a location for the fuck cancer event that she's doing. And Adriana's like, let's just do it here, you know. Um, and I actually like Adriana's like space. Like it's it's one of those like. It ha- it's kind of like almost like a bungalow similar to like Erica's place, but there's a little more like stuff to it in, mm-hmm. in certain ways. Um, uh, Adriana then, as she's showing like Julia around, like, oh, we can have like the bar here. We can do et cetera, this and that. Adriana's like, so who's getting invited? And Julia's like, yeah, just everyone. Adriana goes, yeah, like, y- you know, wh- you know, whatever it-, it needs to be. And I'm like, okay, Adriana, you can't, like, o- immediately offer your place as the location and then dictate the guest list. <laughs> like, we'll get to it later. Like, I will say good for her for not going, for not, like, trying to assert dominance on that. Until later. She definitely does it later. Oh, I missed that. At the at the basketball game. She fully is just like, yeah, no, I'm I'm putting my foot down. And I'm like, well, okay. To be fair, 
they were assholes to her. Right, but it's like... Uh, wh- but again, I think she overreacted to them being assholes to her, but they were still assholes. I think it's a very I we'll get to we'll get to it eventually at the end. But I think it's very interesting the juxtaposition that this was literally Alexia Marisol the first episode of Alexia being like, No, yeah. I'm inviting people and Marisol being like, No, not Adriana. And then now literally the reverse is happening with Julia and Adriana. Yeah. Like it's it, they kind of said it the first episode, but it's like, I think Adriana and Marisol all the problems. <laughs> like Yeah. Like, I mean, Alexia, too, to an extent. But um, Adriana uh, talks about how she has trepidation inviting Marisol. But she's like, you know, it should be like a fuck cancer party, not like a fuck Marisol party. So Right. Um, they bring over Jonathan, who is an actual professional opera singer, because he's apparently now going to duet with Julia for the event, which I think is smarter. I don't. Oh, really? You think it's just going to showcase more of the issue? Uh-huh. You don't put a professional up against an amateur if you want the amateur to look anywhere near good. He, when he was singing, I was like, oh, wait, that's what opera's supposed to sound like. I forgot last episode. Yeah. Last episode, I was like, oh, Julia's not that bad. Here, I'm like... The problem is, is that she's swallowing the sound. Yeah. And, and, like, I feel like if she would pull it a little bit more forward and make it slightly more dental. It doesn't need to be fully in the front of her mouth. It's still Italian. Yeah. But like there needs to be like, it doesn't need to sound like she's being smothered. (laughs) It sounds like she's singing from behind a pillow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very that. Um, And I love it when he's Jonathan's or no, it's when Julia is singing the dog, the Adriana's dog just starts humping Jonathan's leg. (laughs) It's like, that's a bad sign. (laughs) Like, you know, if it's one of those, like, cause that's clearly one of the like rare, like dog. It's an anxiety Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. Um, We then see Alexia uh, taking her sons, uh, Frankie and Peter. Uh, to Frankie's uh, treatment because he's doing like oxygen therapy, mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting when they were describing it about how it like helps like move blood and like sort of like mm-hmm. re-energize cells around the brain and stuff like that. I, as someone who went to a bougie college for uh, a little bit, we definitely had like oxygen bars at oh. PCU, <laughs> like and they had like essential oils mixed in, and you like put on the nasal. Oh, you were fancy as well. We didn't uh, have that at UTSA. Uh, no, no, no. This was TCU, private college. Oh, that's the answer. Um, and uh, we we definitely had the oxygen bar with, like, different, like, herbal mixes in there. Mm-hmm. It's like, this one is supposed to elevate your mood, and this one is supposed to relax you, and this one is supposed to do all. And it was like a whole thing. Like, you could go up and, like, put on the nasal cannula, and then, like, you plug into the actual thing. So, yeah. you, you're given your own nasal thing. Obviously not sharing that with random people. But you just well, go around to different oxygen tanks and plug into it. Well, and this one was different because it's not, like, a nose thing. Like, he's in, like, a chamber. Like, one of those, like, yeah. giant, like, sort of. Like a, um, uh, what's the, 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 the pressurized thing? Yeah, is that yeah, what it yeah. is? Yeah. So, but she, like they, the doctor is like describing like the process of it and all that. Um, Alexia is talking a little bit about sort of like, you know, how Peter uh, has to, like, we see, we get a little bit of background. I don't know if Alexia talked about in the past about like how Frankie was like before the accident too. And that he was kind of a very stronger, like, even though he was the younger brother, Peter kind of mm-hmm. saw him as older in certain ways. And so that I think a lot of the accident like jarred that in many ways and yeah and you know peter obviously gets critiqued i think 
rightfully so for a lot of the stuff that he's done and the stuff that he's been in headlines for and all that stuff. But I can also understand like as someone you... as someone who has like had like a really traumatic experience in my life that affected family members. It's something that does happen. Like it's like yeah, like I, I understand. And also the therapy idea is interesting because like the whole thing is that part of his brain lost oxygen and started like was deteriorating from that during the accident right and so hyper oxygenization um, could help theoretically repair some of that damage done so i mean it it makes sense on a certain level and that's very interesting to like the science side of my brain so sure. just noting that to research later but like i think like also I really hope Alexia actually puts Peter in therapy. Like, Jen, or yeah. obviously he's 30, so it's like harder. Like, he may, he more. She's still doing his grocery shopping. Yeah. she He would more have to make the choice than himself. But I do think he kind of needs it in that regard because I think it would help with a lot of those problems. Oh, and yeah. And like having that ability to actually cope with that. Yeah. Uh, she talks, she does say that I, and I don't, I don't remember if this has been said before. I think maybe Peter had said it, that he was like suicidal at one point. Oh well, yeah. Um, from, and Alexia base is like, I had to save two sons, not just one. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think people should look at the, in that perspective, I think you, you do need to hold Peter accountable when he's doing, like, some of the criminal stuff and sort of, like, stuff like that. Right. Like, there's there's a certain thing that isn't obviously permittable. But, like, I do have sympathy in that regard of, like, you know, someone who hasn't really coped with something, like, right. needing to figure it out. I, it's his responsibility to do it, but I can understand why he is in the position he's in. Yeah. Um, we then go to Lisa, who's taking the kids over to see Jody at his house. <laughs> Lisa, I'm going to critique you for this. I'm so sorry. Because the way she lays this out in her confessional, she's like, so, like, the kids know Jody. They adore him, but they don't know that he's my boyfriend. Fine. I'm fine with that. But she goes, I think that's way too soon. Like, they think that he's, like, Uncle Joe. That's going to be much more harder to wrap their head around when eventually he has to be, like... I mean, sure. I, I agreed with you when we were watching this because we talked about it as we were watching. But I'm now realizing that a lot of friends call have when they have young kids. Sure. Their their friends are uncle and aunt and like. Yeah, and it, it, some people use it colloquially. And it's not yeah. Like, I have an aunt, Carol, that's like not my aunt whatsoever. So Well, like, I mean. We have friends that we've made since moving here to Pittsburgh that I am, like, Aunt Merlin to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so I, I understand that. That's true. But then she's like, I mean, like, I have so many, like, gay friends that the kids see often, so the kids might just think that he's, like, one of my gay friends. I'm not really sure. <laughs> like, and then I love that when she says this, because they, they had put, like, Uncle Joe under his, like, tag, his, like, little subhead thing when they introduced him. But then when she says that, they switch it to Gunkle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. I think the bigger issue is him being named Joe. Yeah. Is Joe short for Jody? I don't well, think so. Well, it's short for Joseph. Oh. Uh, like, I don't, I've never heard of a Jody getting shortened to Joe. I mean, you're not going to sh- sh- shorten it it's to like four J- letters. You're not going to shorten it to like Jode. That seems weird. <laughs> is it too close to Chode? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. Uh, but she, he got like he got like the kids like presents and stuff like. I actually thought he had a good dynamic with the kids. Like he definitely has yeah. this sort of. I, I think he had like 
Well, actually, well, we can get into that. Because I think he had a previous marriage with kids, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. Either way, he definitely had a previous engagement. I, either marriage or engagement. I was bring, I'm bringing it up because that fucking Page Six article and the, the fight oh, with, right. with Lenny and Jody in the Instagram comments where like now Lenny's accusing Jody of like planting listening devices into his car and like that like basically accusing them of some scheme and i love that lisa's basically being like cool so we know that you're the page you're the source the page six right that's like clearly and it was matt c in those instagram comments and like like part of me feels like that that's an unhinged like like just lashing out but part of me feels like it's a coordinated effort to like have him labeled as temporarily insane and that like forgive some of his bullshit behavior maybe <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't know how that works in a divorce proceeding either way it's not helping and then lisa also then responding by also sharing photos of like bruising and mm-hmm. like cuz she says in the comments that he was both like mentally and physically abusive which I I and, wouldn't put it past him to be honest. And like, that bruising was apparently that same weekend when she found out about the mistress right before the trip last season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel bad for the kids. I, yeah. I I think Lisa has the right to tell her truth, and I think when you have someone like Lenny going to page six and like being so outwardly bullshitting, like Lisa has the right to correct the record. Like, right. don't get me wrong. I do worry about the kids and I worry about them eventually seeing that and that it's going to be so public and like messy. I'm sure they're getting enough of that shit in the house without it. Here's the thing. The kids need to not be exposed to that man. Yes. And at some point. They I don't need... think it's a safe household to be perfectly honest. Like with the mistress and stuff. Yeah. Like, that doesn't seem healthy to me whatsoever. And it doesn't seem like it seems crazy that they still have the same housekeeper. And he is, like, she is going back and telling him things. Oh, I didn't know about that. That it was, it was either in the episode or in the article that that the housekeeper was going back and telling him things about. Are you confusing it with Alexia? Because Alexia said that she had that with Peter. Maybe that's what I'm. That might be what you're. But no, that I was but, like, ooh, but, that's more juicy. <laughs> but that was happening last season. When the housekeeper was going back and telling Lenny about shit oh, that was happening, right, right. and like the but that was also like with the mother involved as well. Like yeah, was, it was. I like, just don't think yeah. it's just not safe. Like those kids need to know that their dad is an asshole, and that is no reflection on who they are. Yeah, I just feel like it's a much safer. I agree. I think it's at least what what we're presented because what we're presented is one thing, right? But like it's a. I feel like that's a much safer household and a more stable household. I don't find Lenny to be stable whatsoever. Like. I yeah. if I'm a at all. if I'm a judge looking at like custody like that's what I would look at personally. Oh, you better believe that if I'm the judge uh watching this show or doing this divorce I'm watching the show. Yeah. This show is going into evidence. Oh, for sure. Um we go to them all getting ready for the basketball game. They're all loading into the sprinter van. Well, half of them are at this point. And Larza like breakdowns like, you know, who's on whose team and stuff like that. And Alexia and Marisol are on a team with Adriana. Alexia is like yeah, I think we need to do some trading. It's my birthday, so I get to pick who I want to go. She's like, I'm going to pull out the birthday card. Like, Yeah, they have assigned jerseys that are like different colors. Sure. So probably not going to happen. Well, Alexia, and then Alexia and her goes, I mean, like, who doesn't want to play with like Jordan and Pippen? And you were like, 
That's not the Jordan and Pippen you want. Like, if it's a basketball team and you're told that you get to play with Jordan and Pippen, you don't show up and are excited about Marcus Jordan and Larsa Pippen. Because also, like, those are not the Jordan and Pippen you were looking for. Michael is known for his height, and Marcus is significantly shorter. He's still tall, but he's not Michael Jordan tall. Yeah. I also love that Marcus was the coach for the team, for Lars's team uh, on this basket. Cause it was also, they also implied that it was going to be just, just them, but it's actually them mixed with like clearly other male um, yeah. people on a team. But like, I love that Marcus was the coach for the team, but like he, we don't see him really doing any coaching. He's just like yelling, nope. like shit at people. Um, the rest of them start loading in. Gertie basically decides like, you know, tonight is not the night to like tell everyone else about my cancer diagnosis with both it being like a charity thing. And also like Alexia's birthday. It's not the right time. But she doesn't, she also mentioned, I already know everyone else knows. So like, I'm no, not she de- dealing no, with No, she that. definitely does not. I she felt definitely like she does not. Cause well, cause next week, Lisa kind of drops that bomb on her. But in confessional, for next week, she talks about pressing a pressing Lisa because she, said, she knows no, that she no, knows. No, no, no. She's saying we'll get well, and we'll get to more of that next week. No, what she said was the what she said to Larsa was a test, and she realized she failed the test by Lisa revealing that Larsa told everyone this. I thought she was testing Lisa. No, she was testing Larsa. Okay. Again, I had turkey. (laughs) (laughs) But no, the other, so yeah, so she doesn't know that at this point that Larsa has told anyone. Okay. And so Larsa, and so we also see the confessionals of all the other women being like, I mean, I'm not going to like say anything. And like, it's like really hard because like I want to like be sympathetic to Gertie and like I can't really say anything. And they, as they go through everyone's confessionals of that, they flash underneath on the subhead like, told by Larsa, told by Larsa, told by Larsa. And then they show a shot of Larsa and it just reads, basically told everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the producers are like, fuck you, Larsa. Like, <laughs> there's no, like, there's no, like, positive edit to this. Yeah. There's no way to, like, fix it for you. Like, you fucked yourself. So you might as well make it comedic. Yeah. Adriana tells them, uh, I just want everyone to, you know, be warned. You know, I ate corn and I'm kind of a little flatulent. And so, and, but like, they're like, oh God, like, I can't be on this bus with you for like this long and you're farting up a storm. And then it's, I can't believe that this is where the fight started. So then some of the women then get off the bus because they stopped to like go to the bathroom or whatever. Um, and uh, Adriana. Also, it's an hour drive. You can't hold it for an hour. I know. You didn't pee before you got on the Sprinter van? <laughs> well, no, it's Marisol. Marisol peed like eight times at the reunion. Yeah, that's right. Like, come on. I don't know how she drinks that much and doesn't have a bladder that's substantial in size. Mm. Adriana goes off the bus and goes, might as well let some air out in the process. And then I'm just confused even what side I am on in this. Because Marisol and Alexia are then like talking in the bathroom, apparently. And, and Marisol's like, she says that she's flatulent. Like, we're in a lot of trouble. And then, like, Marisol says, like, little did we know, Adriana and her big elephant ears were behind the door listening to everything. And Adriana's just like, you guys are incredible. Like, something's just never changed. Like, unfucking believable And then, can I just say, I, I think everyone's terrible in this fight in terms of, like, yes. moral standing. But Adriana, because Adriana Confessional goes, like, how can they be so two-faced to pretend that, like, everything's fine and then go behind doors and spew their poisonous venom like vipers? All because they talked about her flatulence in the bathroom while, keep in mind, the first episode, 
Adriana had that makeup with Alexia, and then she's in the car with Kiki and Julia being like, I mean, she's only with Todd for his money. Like, Alexia's like nothing with, like, El Todd's money. Yeah. You do the same thing! <laughs> uh, my, so, I'm frustrated with everyone involved. Yeah, so, like... <laughs> because... Adriana didn't have to tell them. She just could have been in there farting up a storm and just been like, y'all are stuck in here. I didn't warn you. (laughs) Also, I think if she had been on there farting up a storm, they would have showed it. Oh, sure. So she didn't actually end up gassing them at all. So... So so you're saying there wasn't that much... There wasn't actually gas, kind of like how she didn't actually break break her foot? Sure. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is the ladies were being assholes. Sure. Because they they seemed to treat it like it was a moral failing on Adriana's part that she had gas. She Marisol literally acts like if it was going to ruin Alexia's birthday party. Well, she acted like it was a devious plan to ruin Alexia's <laughs> birthday party. Like she did this on purpose. Yeah. So it's like I understand as Adriana, if I'm putting myself in her shoes, why I I would be mad at that. Like, why are you painting me out to be this villain just for being gassy? Like, Jesus Christ, everyone this farts. Is a, this is the stupidest fucking fight. But it's then so Adriana, stupid. in true Adriana fashion, completely blows it out of proportion. Yeah. It's like, guys, it's about farts. Yeah. Uh, I love Chill the fuck out. They get back on the bus. Kiki in her confessional goes, I cannot stand someone who's like passing gas. I'm very classy. And then they cut to last season where Kiki's like being on the beach. <laughs> like, Kiki, you're talking about balls and dicks and fucking like. Also, just open the windows. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so Adriana then starts as they get back on the bus and goes, are you sure Marisol and I should be on the same team? Because I felt good until a few minutes ago. I thought we had new horizons, but then I hear, I love her using the party name against them. But then I hear those two in the bathroom with their hate and Marisol goes, don't announce flatulence when we're all in the bus together. We're stuck in here. Adriana goes, well, maybe we're stuck with you, the hater. <laughs> Would you rather she have stealthed it? And then Larsa, I will say Larsa then tries to like change the conversation. She's like, so, like, Alexia, like, speaking of, like, flatulence, I guess, sent me a picture of a dual toilet that to get for me and Marcus. Because, like, because uh, the jokes about Larsa and Marcus being, like, so codependent or whatever. And I've seen, the like, the photo before of, like, the sideways toilet where you're, like, sitting next to each other. Absolutely not. And then Alexia reveals way too much. She's like, I actually love that. Like, I love to pee in, like, number two in front of Todd. Flashback to that weird dinner where Todd yeah. says something about her peeing on him. Because Lisa goes, does Todd have some, like, sick fetish? And then, th- like, maybe he does. I don't know. He seems like the type. He seems Honestly, like the type. There's something off about him. Look, ain't nothing wrong with water sports. Just don't bring it over here. Yeah. Um, Alexia brings up then up. <laughs> I don't know why Alexia brought up that, like, yeah, so, like, Todd ran into people, like, after, like, the New Horizons party. And since there's been, like, a lot of conversation going on in the group and people, like, making assumptions, no one's made assumptions. You literally, like, if you wouldn't have said anything, no one would have made assumptions about this, about you guys getting a divorce. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is all your fault, Alexia. Alexia goes, somebody specific talked a lot of shit about our family and bashed our family. And then Andrea's like, who was that? And Alexia goes, well, it was you, actually. <laughs> so now, like, again, I love that. 
Todd was very much like, don't say anything, Alexia. And Alexia's like, no, yeah, it was Adriana. It was her fault. It was her fault why Todd didn't come. Well, it's funny because Adriana was questioning her about it. She's like, who was it? Because it was just um, Julia and I forget who the third person was. Nicole and me that weren't there. So I don't, like, who was it? She said, it was you, dumbass. <laughs> like, of course. So then Adriana then brings out the thing that she said, the claim that Todd said when uh, they ran into each other after the party. Yeah. And she she's like, Todd said, he said, I need to work on my marriage. And I said, that's probably a smart thing. And he said, you hit it on the nose. And that's a Todd expression. Okay? That's a Todd expression. <laughs> <laughs> she's like if i feel that made me think adriana was lying yeah for her to be like really and my did. evidence is like that's something he would say no like <laughs> that it's yeah that that completely made me think mm. and alexia goes you don't know todd's expression because you don't live with todd and then they just start keep fighting at each other lisa does confirm though in the confessional that because it was apparently her and adriana that bumped into todd and she doesn't she doesn't confirm that like the whole like marriage stuff but she does say that todd said it wasn't adriana that he had the issue with which i believe because it's like clearly he made that up on the fly afterwards oh no it wasn't made up on the fly it was planned between him and alexia sure but lisa lisa professionally goes one is full of gas and one is full of shit (laughs) like Lisa's been really funny in the confessional this season, particularly. Yeah. Like, she's actually been really good at like getting the zingers in. Also, her confessional looks have been phenomenal. Yeah. The pink and the blue, like I really like the the big like bouffant hair thing that she has going on. Mm-hmm. Or like the pompadour, really, but not bouffant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. big swoop. It's really good. It's really nice. It looks good. Marisol goes, I don't think he's going to like get into an argument with you. Like, what's he going to do? Like get in your face. And Audrey, Adriana just goes, shut up, Marisol. You're a fucking motherfucking hateful person. (laughs) (laughs) And then Marisol then takes the glass off and goes, you're the one that tried to fuck my ex and throw it in my face. I'm hateful. Fuck off, bro. And I, but it's like, aren't you, I, I agree with people who were like, aren't you married now, Marisol? Like, why are you so still mad about the ex? It was a rude thing for Adriana to like say last year, but like, come on. Like, it's just so stupid. Adriana goes, darling, I'm not afraid of your poison. And Marisol goes, you wish you could live in my happy poison. You're a snake eating your own fucking tail. And I'm like, there's too many metaphors now. And like, they're all mixed. And like... It's just, it was very confusing. Yeah. Adriana goes, you're just a drunk. <laughs> well, there we go. No more metaphors. Just that, out with it. Yeah. And, and it's like, yeah, so <laughs> not wrong. Um, Alexia then uh, confronts Adriana about what Kiki said in the, about Adriana in the car, bringing out the like, well, you said that like, you know, who is Alexia without like Todd's money, blah, blah, blah. Why did you say that? Adriana goes, because you're a hypocrite. I don't even know why that makes sense. Like... Yeah, and, and Alexia goes, "You're so jealous! Oh my god, you're so jealous of me!" Which she had brought out a lot last season. And Nicole at one point literally goes, "I don't even know what you guys are arguing about. Like, we none of us, none of the rest of us can follow this." And it's not fun for us if we don't get what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And then Alexia's like, "This is my birthday, and this is what she wanted to do because it hurts her." And oh, wait until you see the gift that Todd is giving me. Oh yeah, you're gonna love that. Which was, like, so odd. It was, like... Why are you in it? Like, what are you doing? But, uh, but like, she... So, it, well... But also to bring up the, like, you're getting a gift from Todd or whatever. And then Adriana Confessional goes, Exhibit A. Alexia has changed since she got her lifestyle upgraded. So it's, like, validating, like, her 
yeah. view of it, which again, it's like you knew. Uh, also, like Alexia basically admits later, yeah, I knew he was getting me a gift, and yeah, I did to piss her off. Like fuck her. Uh, they arrive to the to the arena, and I love everyone just going, "Yay, we're here!" Everyone, shut the fuck up. Basically, yeah. They all head into the locker rooms, and like they're like all being like, oh my god, it's like a real locker room. Like, oh my god. Marisol goes, oh my god, we got a urinal and everything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I they keep being like, oh, we're like a real basketball player because we have a urinal. It's like, you realize the WNBA exists, right? Also, you realize that they have urinals at gas stations. <laughs> They have them at Walmarts. They thought it was like this, like magical, like like the, they've never seen before. Apparently, I don't know. Um, Larsa tells Marisol, like, look, so Lisa like doesn't want to change teams, so like you know you kind of stuck on the team that you are. And Adriana is just like sulking over in the corner. She's just like <laughs> turned her back to everyone, like facing the the lockers, just being like like a child, like like very much like a child, literally just pouting in the corner. Lisa's like, it's not fair though. And Marisol's like, Lisa, she does it to herself. Lisa's like, no, it's like it's like bullying. Like, and I'm like. I'm kind of on, I'm I'm on team nobody in the fight. Like, it's like, yeah, like Adriana does kind of do it to herself in many ways. Like she puts herself in that position, but like, I I don't know. No, no, no one's going to be an adult here. No. Um, Nicole uh, is like, guys, like think about all the kids that we're doing this for who have like real illnesses. And she can't say like the Gertie stuff, but she talks to her confessor. Like, you know, I know that Gertie's like actually going through this and it's like, just fighting over bullshit. Like what the fuck? Like, You know, um, Julia Martina then arrive and then Adriana decides to pull Julia to the side to tell the, tell Julia what happened. But the, the, the abridged version that Adriana gives Julia is just like so fucking funny to me. She's like, I came into the van with like the hyenas and I was like passing gas. Cause I like ate corn. And then like Alexia started to like blame me for her marital issues with Todd, like over what, like me being flatulent. <laughs> you skipped like so many parts in that fight. I, I can't. And Alexia, you can tell Julia's face is just like. Well, but the thing, the thing is though, is that I don't, I don't feel like Adriana is capable of like sitting down and editing that story to make it look. Like, right. I think that that's how, how she thinks it happened. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That is literally her perception of events. <laughs> Adriana then goes, the bottom line is I don't want them at the fuck cancer party. They aren't going to walk into my house with their negative attitudes. Gertie's like sitting to the side as like Alexia and Julia or Adriana and Julia are talking and Gertie's just like, who the fuck cares? Like, like at the end of the day and Gertie talks to her confessional about like now with my cancer, like I am less patient for this shit. Like Gertie's just like, okay, so how do we fucking fix it? Adriana's like, we're not fixing it right now. Gertie's like, okay, then let's just pay some fucking basketball. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, I'm done with this. Um, they all head out onto the court and start playing. Um, Nicole, like, suddenly, like, it's forgotten how to shoot a basket, even though she was, like, nailing it in the practice sessions. Like, she suddenly just can't figure it out. And then, like, also, like, they are so fucking bad. Julia has to be, like, get advice from the person. Be like, okay, so when you throw the ball to me, like, am I supposed to catch it with, like, two hands or one? And I'm like, have you not watched a game of basketball? It's no, one thing to not be good not. at it, but like, come on. Like, and you're married. I get it's a different sport, but you're married to the sports star. Yeah. Um, so, uh, 
uh, <laughs> there's a basket that gets made by one person. This was very, I've been this person. Someone makes a basket and Gertie goes, yay. And Larson goes, they're not in our team. And Gertie's like, oh, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been that person. <laughs> um, they, they, they're really bad. Adriana falls at one point. <laughs> Like trying to get the ball and Marisol and her professor is just going, yippee. <laughs> but then later, like Marisol gets like retribution and gets just like body checked by this dude. Like he just, it looks like, it can't really see it. It looks like he like elbows her or something and she just goes flying. Yeah, it was not great. Um, uh, I also love at one point, it was clearly something over the loudspeakers, but like as they're like, there's like a dead point and you just hear that. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I love the music person is like, yeah, this is bad. But that's standard for a basketball game. Have you ever been to an NBA game? No, I have. I've been like, to like baseball, but the, like the people like in the sound booth are shady as fuck. Yeah, it, it's great. Um, Julia is like checking on Adriana while they're on on courtside, and Adriana goes, "Look, I just can't have them at the party with Martina. Like, it's gonna like completely destroy the mood." And Julia's like, "Look at the bigger picture." We're trying to open Alexia's eyes. Look, I will not uninvite Alexia. I can understand about Marisol because of your issues, but I'm not going to, uh, which I, I agree. Like, it was good to see Julia be consistent. Like, like I said, because it was so similar to the Alexia Marisol situation. Right. Being like, I'm going to hold firm in this regard. Like, and I, I her also being like, we're trying to open Alexia's eyes was kind of her almost being like, we almost like flipped Alexia. Like you, you realize that we almost did it. And like, if you would have just shut the fuck up in the car with me and then yeah. didn't get out, we could like, it, it was, she didn't say that, but it yeah. felt like that. And it was like, like if you don't stop fucking this up <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that was the one, like I truly felt that Alexia was going to like shift things. Yeah. And I think because I, I think if Audrey didn't do that, we, it could have continued. I don't know. Um, Adriana says her confessional, everything hurts. My knee, my heart, my head. I wish my best friend would see that, that I'm hurting and try to put herself in my position instead of playing Switzerland. And I'm like, you're literally doing what Marisol, like, yeah. it's so, it's so blatant. Um, and she, Adriana's like, you weren't there though. And Julie goes, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't care at this point. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Lars's team ends up winning. Uh, Nicole says they're a confessional. I mean, it's about how I thought it was going to go. One basket, three injuries and a total of five minutes of play time. <laughs> yeah. Um, they go back into the locker room and Todd has like a cake prepared with like candles. Alexia is just like, Oh wow. Like she, it was very clear. Like Alexia knew what was happening. <laughs> like, um, they sing, uh, a happy birthday while Adriana is like dabbing her tears away in like the, in the bathroom. She literally says her confessional, my vocal cords are too precious for this, especially when I'm working with Emilio Estefan. <laughs> like I'm not <laughs> wasting it on Alexia. Um, Adriana. Oh, and then Adriana tells Anthony, you ever heard of silent luxury? Like that's what you have. Like basically comparing, cause then Alexia gets her gift. Like Todd's like, look, it's your gift in like the locker. And then she, uh, Adriana tells Anthony, this is going to be the opposite of silent luxury. Just wait. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love how much Alexia, I love Alexia just admits in her confessional. She was doing this to fuck with Adriana. And yeah. I love it when she grabs the package. Like, Oh, it weighs a lot. It clearly didn't. <laughs> it's a fucking watch. Also, this, Oh my God. This watch was big enough for her to hula hoop with. I know. Right? It, well, in the face of it was 
almost wider than her wrist. Didn't Todd say he like already tried to resize it and then like he, it, yeah, it's ridiculous. But it's like a seventy eight thousand dollar watch, like something like super crazy and expensive. I, I don't I don't understand. And the episode ends with Adriana Confessional going, enjoy the watch. I hope it makes up for the trouble in paradise because it seems like time's ticking, which I thought was a good, like, get it, because watch. Uh-huh. <laughs> Adriana was proud of herself with that one. <laughs> it was just uh, th- this whole thing. This, this that, whole episode was exhausting. <laughs> that was Miami. Super silly fighting, which I, I, God, the franchise is so good right now. Love, love, love Miami. All right, let's get into these tops and bottoms for the week. We got Potomac, Salt Lake, uh, Beverly Hills, Miami. What you thinking, babe? Uh, I will start with my bottom. Uh, I'm going to give it to Dorit. I was really passionate about Dorit this episode. And like the, and again, like call me insensitive, but it's like, I just don't like, there's so much about this PTSD stuff that I think is really weaponized on her part. I'm like, I wasn't willing to say it in the past because I do think there were moments where it was like, okay, well it's like fresh. And it's like, I would give someone space in that regard. I find it very weaponized at this point. And I just Mm, think, mm -hmm. and it creates this issue where it's like, you can't really say anything about it because you right. know, it's a sensitive topic, but I just, I, the way she conducted herself with the whole Garcelle thing, I thought was just looking for an issue. And again, it was also hypocritical in many regards in terms of how she's treated other people in the past, including Sutton. Um, yeah. So I just was not a big fan of it. Yeah. Um, I, I was ranting about it a lot actually, um, when it happened. Um, but going to my top, which is also from Beverly Hills in that conversation, um, I'm going to give it to Sutton. Okay. Cuz I actually I'm again I'm I'm not going to be unabashedly team Sutton anymore cuz like I think the magic mic thing like I mentioned is separate. It is like, you know, a a whole different conversation than what's actually happening with Kyle, and I think she's more in the right with Kyle than not because I think she has it's been a long-standing build up of things that she's finally sort of recognizing and calling out in a very strategic way that is she very receptive to the moment and she's beating down a lot of Kyle's tactics, which right. I appreciate. And I think is what has always frustrated a lot of these women with Sutton, which is that she calls out the tactics very well and deals with them mm-hmm. very well in a way that they've never dealt with them before. Um, I think Sutton's just a great housewife. I think she's one of the best new additions in a long time. And I really, really love what she's been bringing this season. I mean, much like last season, it's all about her because yeah. you know, a lot of the storyline revolves around her. So credit to her for that. Uh, what about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? Well, um, since you picked on uh, Beverly Hills a bit, I'm going to go pick on Salt Lake. Um, my bottom for the week is going to be Heather. Mm-hmm. Even though I felt like Lisa behaved worse in this episode than Heather, I was disappointed in Heather. <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Mainly because... I felt like she was understanding. I felt like she was really starting to understand how Monica felt in this group and how Monica felt alienated and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and I expected more empathy from her. And for her to turn on Monica like this is just really, there's a lot of betrayal there especially going towards someone who has already experienced so much betrayal. Like that's just, it's to me, it's very disappointing. It's very, 
underhanded it feels and it almost seems calculated and i just i don't like that coming from heather i want to believe better about her character um but she's not showing me that right now and it's it's kind of upsetting um my top for the week is going to be monica um because you can see how much all of this is wearing her down she literally at this lunch is regretting signing that contract. She does not want to be on this show anymore. She wants nothing to do with these women. And it's, it's really heartbreaking. You can see like her resolve just crumble. She doesn't have anything left in her. And I just like, I, I'm wanting to give her, her, props because i know that it's a difficult position to be in and that she has been fighting these women for so long and it's been non-stop all season and it's just i get it yeah like take a break like sit down take a few days where you don't see any of these motherfuckers and recharge a bit because you're gonna need it and Bermuda, because they're going to come hard, because there's nowhere to run. Like, you can't go home once you're there. You just have a hotel room that you're sharing with someone else. Well, and, I, and also, uh, from the preview for next uh, week's episode, also I feel her going to marry and getting advice is very interesting. And yeah, and because Mary's going to be like, yeah, you, you, this is what you have to do, like, to deal yeah. with the bitches. It, it, it's almost to be... And I don't, I don't mean to um, play into the quote-unquote um, magical black person trope. No, 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 no. no. But it, it kind of feeds into that going to the, going to the black person for, for advice to, like, <laughs> like, help me get through this awful thing with these white women. Like, <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Well, we've already talked about, like, Mary's, like, magical sanctuary that everyone just gravitates to this season. <laughs> right. It's like you you just go go pay penance at at the very odd house of Mary, <laughs> you know, sell your house, give her all the <laughs> all the money from it, and then she'll give you advice um allegedly um but yeah, like Monica's going through it, and the fact that she is still swinging, even though those punches are a little bit weaker, she has less energy behind them, but she's still going. So I, I really, I admire her for that. It's a hard road she's going down, but she's continuing to do it and she's keeping fighting. Good on you. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. <laughs>